Com. Five five four fifty three is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-855-450-3733. And you can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. The features that you'll find there are brought to you for free. And that's the way a good talk show website should be. You actually can control the content as well. So not only is the site free, but it actually counts on you to put whatever it is there that's there. Because if it weren't for listeners like you, we would have a really awful website uh, because it used to be that way. The web used to be uh, this we talk, you listen kind of model, and now it's uh, you tell us what's important kind of model, and I think that's a lot better, a lot uh, lot more community-oriented. So when you go to freetalklive.com, you will see uh, what I mean because there's different items there, and they're all added by our listeners and then voted on by our listeners as well. So head over to freetalklive.com. 1-855-453, the number here tonight with you. It is Ian. And Julia. All right. So, of course, much to discuss uh, out the gate here this evening, including news about the Libertarian Party. Yeah, it's not really that that uh, big news because no one really pays attention to the Libertarian Party. And I myself had withdrawn from the Libertarian Party back in 2008 And this article here is a good example of why I decided to leave the Libertarian Party. There is a character over on their Libertarian National Committee named Wayne Root. And he's the guy who ran for uh, vice president with Bob Barr back in 2008. For those who don't know, Bob Barr is uh, formerly a Republican who claimed that he'd had this big transition, that he'd become a Libertarian. And anybody that paid attention to the things he was saying would have known that's not really true. Now, maybe he did go in the right direction on a few issues, or maybe he was just saying those things so he could have some sort of a grasp at political power, which not that the Libertarian Party is ever going to give you any of that. But this other guy, Wayne Root, was running with him on the vice presidential candidate uh, ticket. And since then, he's been put on their national committee. And he said recently in a quote on uh, the Bill Cunningham podcast, who himself is a very right-wing, conserva-clone, kind of Rush Limbaugh wannabe guy, he says this in the first couple of minutes. I think the important thing now is to make sure Obama is not elected. And that means in my mind, I would love for a libertarian like Gary Johnson, the two-term governor of New Mexico, would actually get elected to president. But I think we all know that's not going to happen. Therefore, it's got to be Romney. There is no choice. And this, right, this coming from a purported libertarian, a member of the Libertarian National Committee. It's got to be Romney. That's what he says. <laughs> There's no choice, he says. How about none of them? Well, I agree. D, none of the above. If they actually ended up having a real libertarian candidate, I'd probably end up voting for that person. They didn't in the year 2008, and I don't expect that they will this time around either because Gary Johnson isn't even a libertarian. 
he's probably more liberty-minded than Bob Barr was, so I guess it's a step in the right direction. But he's certainly no Harry Brown, and, and Harry Brown was the libertarian candidate that brought me into the movement back in the year 2000. A really principled guy who was a great communicator. And these more recent candidates, they don't know principles. They don't understand the, the principle that used to mean something to people that called themselves libertarian, which is that you don't support the initiation of force to achieve political or social goals. When I joined the Libertarian Party, I signed a statement saying that. I took it pretty seriously. I guess people don't really take it seriously anymore. And so this this joker, who is really nothing more than a, a hard right winger, who has essentially infiltrated the Libertarian Party, which you know is not a hard thing to do apparently because there's why, a bunch of them. Uh, why? That's what I want to know. That it's doesn't weird. make any sense to me. Yeah, it, it's weird, isn't it? Because it's not like they're going to win. No, you'd do much better off as a Republican. Maybe it's because they're trying to get news or something or attention there's certainly no attention being paid to them this is an article over at reason.com which is not a mainstream news source but more of a liberty oriented news source so the mainstream media doesn't care about wayne allen root it doesn't no, care about i've never heard of him the libertarian party or anything like that so that's an excellent question why would someone want to join the libertarian party someone like wayne root and i think that uh you know you're certainly welcome to speculate at 855 450 Maybe it's because he feels like he can't get a, a foothold in the, the Republican Party and is just looking for power within a political party. Like just that some, seems really strange. Right, some desperate grasp at at whatever level of power he feels <laughs> like he can get. I mean, here he is on the Libertarian National Committee. Maybe that makes him feel like he's gotten somewhere. His wife it, wears the pants, so he's got to feel something somewhere. Could be. It's probably a lot harder for somebody to get on the Republican committee because it's probably more established. It's been around for a lot longer. The The good old boys network is maybe a little bit tighter there. Maybe that's one of the things. Or perhaps there's some dastardly plot to uh, take over the Libertarian Party. I mean, it wouldn't be unheard of. In, po- in politics, they do some really nasty things. They do some real underhanded uh, tactics. Anybody that's ever been to a Republican convention on t- to support Ron Paul knows what that means. Because we've had people call into the show and talk about how they've gone to these Republican conventions supporting Ron Paul and have been, sh- you know, they've had the microphone shut off, they've had the rules changed, they've had all kinds of just sneaky, sneaky stuff done to prevent them from getting a foothold. Within the Republican Rules Committee or within the Republican, uh, you know, whatever their structure is that they're they're utilizing there. So it wouldn't be unheard of for a group of Republicans or Democrats or whoever to change their party affiliation, join a third party, whether we're talking about the Libertarians, the Greens or whatever, for the express purpose of making those third parties less effective. For the express but purpose of watering them down. effective are third parties? Not very. And they've never really been very effective. Right. But that doesn't mean that they're not worried about them, right? I mean, the Libertarian Party for a while was the third most popular party. It's not think. anymore? I don't think so. I think it might, they might have been surpassed by the Greens, but I'm not positive. Uh, I haven't really been paying close attention to third-party politics in quite a while. But every now and then, something just ludicrous like this comes across uh, my desk, and I figured I'd, I'd share it. Uh, so people have some sort of perspective as, well, why don't you call yourself a, a libertarian? Sometimes people call and ask that. It's because of people like this guy. I don't want to be associated with Wayne Allen Root, who's really <laughs> nothing more than, like I said, he's just a conserva clone. And 
I'd be interested in hearing other people's speculation as to why they think someone like Wayne Root would join the the Libertarian Party. I think that you know internal kind of crisis or or takeovers is a very realistic possibility. It's it, I mean maybe. I really don't know because politics is so awful and so undesirable to me. Like I'm not interested in doing these things like becoming a Libertarian National Committee person or chairperson or anything like that. But you know there are these political animals out there that that's what they live for. They just live for this stuff. Control freaks. Right. 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number. Root tried to defend himself on the Independent Political Report comment thread saying that I said in a perfect world I'd like to see Gary Johnson elected president. He'd be the best choice out there. Uh, Apparently he's ignoring Ron Paul. Uh, But I also said several times on the call that Mitt Romney is a big spending, big government Northeast liberal, that he'll make very very little difference because of this, and that the difference between Obama and Romney is that Romney will slow down our path off a cliff just a bit, and Obama will take us off the cliff in a matter of minutes. Really? The suggestion being that somehow Obama is worse than Romney? That's silly. They're the same. There's no difference between them. And it's just, it really shows this guy's political colors. I mean, he's a Republican. He believes that the Republicans are better. How ingrained this team business is, Mm -hmm. like the red or the blue. Because, you know, I I think of my mom, for example. She's a nice lady and she's got a big heart. You know, she she wants to help people. So she's a Democrat, naturally. Um, and she's anti-war, and I remember her really going after Bush for war. But now that I'm a little older, well, Clinton was involved in wars, and sure. Obama's involved in wars, and she's going to vote for Obama in 2012. So, like, keep uh, keep the Obama right. wars going, which, of course, he was just keeping the uh, the Bush wars going. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll free line. There's more coming up here. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind. Free Talk Live. Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated radio program on more than 100 radio stations coast to coast. We've been named Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation thrice. And five times the best political podcast from podcastawards.com. You can have access to our more than 100 radio stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for less than $1,000 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. The SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Coming up here, we'll talk about the National Health Service and what they did to one elderly gentleman in the UK. 855-453, again, is the toll-free number here. You can bring up whatever you want. That's why we call the show Free Talk Live. And joining you tonight is Ian. And Julia. Free Talk Live is brought to you by SACL CAI. If you need some collections done and you want it done with respect... So you can keep your customers down the line. SACL CAI can help you with that. They do collections, early outbuilding, and they purchase charged-off receivables. See their banner at the top of our banner column over at freetalklive.com. Seth is on the line with us in Arkansas. Seth, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Julia. Hey, what's going on, man? Seth, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, well, uh, on the, on the what you were talking about earlier, I find it hard to call myself a libertarian a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I live in Arkansas, and um, I've been. I give you kind of a backstory. Uh, I have been car. I sold a car that I had about a year ago, 
and an opportunity came up for me to buy a cheap car from a friend. And so I bought it, and, you know, I got the title signed over to me, and I went and this morning, and I got the car insured uh, so that I could go and do the stupid legal registration. Mm. Well, I went to the assessment office, got the assessment. From there, you go to the tax collector's office. When I got into the tax collector's office, they, they said that I owed uh, back taxes of $54 from my previously owned vehicle. Hmm. Okay. Well, I don't make I don't make much money. I barely had the money to, to get the car and to get the insurance and some groceries for the week, you know. And so, I, I you know, I argued with them about it, and there was nothing they were going to do about it. You know, I had to pay it in order to get registered. And, um, you know, as I was leaving, I, I, I just said, this is, this is effed up. And a policeman looked at me and said, watch your mouth, son. Oh, and boy. I kind of raised my hand a little, and I was like, yeah, it's a free country. Uh-oh. He said, "He said, not anymore. <laughs> oh, needless, wow. to say, needless to say, I walked away in tears, you oh, know, just, just frustrated at the lack of freedom I do have. Because, you know, I keep up with you free staters, and I'm avid listener of Stefan and, and everything. So I, I, I fight for liberty and try to defend liberty every day. And so basically, I'm calling you to ask about um, driving without a registration. What I've done today, I immediately called the senator's office and the congressman's office and told them about it, you know, and expressed that I felt like that I was that my rights were being violated and to find out about the law. They both informed me that there is no federal law that prohibits me from traveling. But that the Tenth Amendment gives the states right to adapt statutes and laws on their own. And so I came back, and the state kind of gave me a runaround from the assessments office to the state's revenue office to the revenue office telling me to call the state police because they're the ones that would ticket me and, uh, you know, give me the ticket, the lady said. And what did you want to do to call them to ask if you could? I mean, what are they going to tell you, Uh, yes? Well, no, what I wanted to do was I wanted to get the Arkansas statute that I would be violating mm-hmm. and just have the conversation with them. I know, you know, I realized as I was doing this, yes, I'm calling the state, you know, and but uh, I, I got the statute from them and, and kind of expressed myself and found out what they would do to me if they caught me driving without a registration. All right. So what's what do they do in Arkansas? Well, he said that if they would give you a citation, and that citation would cost you from a hundred and it's a misdemeanor, and that citation would cost you a hundred and twenty to three hundred bucks, and you could pay it before the court, or you could show up at court. And I said, well, if I show up at court, you know, I said, you know, can if I show up at court, can I uh, appeal it? You know, he's like, you can. You probably won't get far. Mm-hmm. Well, I said, can I counter sue for violating my right to travel? Like, yeah, but you won't get far with that either. No. Nope. Uh, so I was just curious. I wanted to call you and ask about uh, driving driving without a registration, driving, tra- or I should say traveling freely, you know. Is, is it possible well, for me to go from point A to point B? That's a good question, and it's uh, it's something that a number of people have explored over the years. And if you go online, you'll find all manner of claims about this. Mm-hmm. How much of them are true? I couldn't tell you. I know that yep. you know if you're doing this, uh, there's a good chance you should. 
if you're going to do it, you should prepare yourself for one losing your car because uh, yeah. they might just decide to tow it rather than, like they said, give you a fine. Uh, they may decide to fine you and tow it to an impound yard and then charge you however many dozens of or hundreds Ooh, of dollars. Impounds per day. expensive. Yeah, to uh, to keep it there. And so if you're going to do it, I would recommend doing it with a really crappy car. That way uh, they, you know, if, if, it, if you lose it, it's not the end of the world. Uh, yeah. But so expect that. Expect, like you said, fines. Expect to have to go to court. And expect that if you keep doing it in some places, you probably will end up with a habitual offender status and uh, be put in jail. So, but, you know, that's obviously the worst case scenario. Best case is what some people claim is true is that they'll go out there and they'll do this freedom to travel activism. They'll get caught. They'll go to court and they'll be such a pain in the butt of the uh, the government people that the government guys will make some sort of a note in their file when they run the tag on the car or when they somehow identify who you are. Uh, that they'll just stay away from you because they don't want to mess with having to go to court. They don't want to mess with, you know, the the hassle of having having to deal with somebody who's not just going to roll over and pay for the fines. So that's a possibility. I I don't know who to point you to as far as yes, this is here's a real life example of this absolutely happening. Yeah, I, I think that you know it's a believable claim. How likely it is to happen in your area, I don't know. I've met people who've made this claim before. But I just, you know, I've never known anyone personally who's been very successful at it. I, I've known people who've done freedom to travel activism here in New Hampshire. I've done a little bit of it myself. And usually you end up with fines and possible jail time. You know, if you don't pay up, uh, they will probably try to suspend driving privileges, among other things. So it's a real, you know, it's a real difficult road. They've got a, a pretty good lockdown on the roads. It's, it's their turf. And uh, they've got their guys on that turf, and they're gonna do what they can to keep you off of it without having paid their, you know, their warlord's fees, if you will. If you're not interested, if you're just interested in saving money, for example, and not trying to do activism per se, I drove up here with a 30-day license for 120 days, and I just kept changing the date. <laughs> On the license? Yeah. They, what it, I don't know what the, the temporary licenses are like down there, but up it's here... 30 days I have to get registered. Is it? Ours so was I like a cardboard or, you know what I mean, like a paper-thin piece of... It, was, it would be so easy to, yeah. to fake one, but mine happened to have this like plastic lining over it, and I just took off the plastic like every 30 days, and I would put on tape, clear tape, and just write my own date. And I got in an accident with that, and nobody said anything. I thought, oh man, I'm going to be in You're trouble. My car's illegal, and nobody even noticed. So that's obviously not a real long-term solution, though, right? I don't know. And what I'd I'd recommend is, you know, as you said, you're paying attention to the activism movement. Do some more research into it. See how you feel about it. But I wouldn't do that stuff alone. I know there's some people up here right now in New Hampshire that are doing it. Maybe if there was a larger movement of people doing freedom to travel, it could be more successful because then it would become overwhelming to them. Think about that. And Seth, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. 855 450 free. 
DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. Talk Live, toll-free number here, 855-450-FREE. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there for free, so enjoy those. And once again, freetalklive.com. Those features include archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, no problem. Just go click and download right there from the front page of the website. And then, of course, if you need more, you can go to the archive section, and that'll take you all the way back to late 2006. All of it is free over at freetalklive.com. Now, we were just on a moment ago with a gentleman who was talking about doing freedom to travel activism. And this is one of the more diffi- probably one of the more difficult forms of activism to do simply because you're really putting your freedom on the line in a pretty significant way. If you are used to driving around, then all of a sudden not being able to drive around due to the government guys threatening you with you know jail time if you continue to drive can really all drast- drastically alter your lifestyle i have to i have to drive you've I mean, got to go to work yeah right? so i that would not be an option for me right if you live in a place where walking would be possible and you feel like you could live your life with a bicycle or by walking, then you know maybe you could try try to experiment with this. Of course, you also have to be willing to uh, possibly face jail time, depending. And it's an interesting form of activism, though. I think it's it's one that I certainly support, as difficult as it might be. And a lot of people are are critics of different forms of activism, and this is certainly one that is no stranger to critique. You know, the idea being that you look crazy. If you are doing this freedom to travel stuff, that what will people think? Well, I think that we went – actually, Michelle Seven and I went uh, around Keene, New Hampshire a little while back with a petition to ask people on the streets to sign to get rid of car registration. Just straight out get rid of it. And I was pretty surprised at how many people supported that. Like – yeah, there were some folks that had the objection, as you might expect, of, well, what would you do if somebody was robbing a bank? You know, how would you be able to identify their car? You know, the the idea of having some sort of centralized database of right. of information. Of course, you know, someone's going to rob a bank. Maybe they would put on a different tag anyway in advance, and really ride a bike. Yeah. So I, I don't think that these things necessarily prevent crimes from happening. It's just a, a way for the government to catalog and identify everybody. Well, with, with and, you know, I used to work in a bank and uh, one of the things because we had to take some robbery classes. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that uh, they taught us was that generally when bank robbers get caught, it's it's not it has nothing to do with the identification on their car. What it is is you've got a bunch of police coming towards the bank after the guy has left, and you've got one car going 100 miles an hour down the road. And it's very obvious. Really? That, yeah, because the person who's trying to get away typically is speeding away from the scene. 
So there's somebody driving very aggressively. Mm-hmm. They pull them over and they've got, in our case, Surprise. it was a bill. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was marked. It actually had our name on it in like a black lit type ink. Oh, cool. Like our name. And we had a, when we had a log that had like this bill's serial number. So all you have to do is catch the person with that bill. And they were caught. And um, they said most bank robbers got caught just because of that. So it really wasn't, you know, they happened to see their car. It Mm -hmm. was like, oh, I see the license plate here. It was they're fleeing from the scene. In most cases, people who are robbing banks aren't too smart. You know, they're they're usually desperate drug addicts, for example. And uh, and they would be doing something stupid to get caught. So that I thought was the best objection that the people had, though, is that, oh, we need to have a centralized database. But most people were in favor of the idea of just getting rid of government registration. And as an alternative, uh, I suppose kind of a middle ground between getting rid of it completely and having government registration would be to have a one-time government registration. Like, that's it. Not a yearly yeah. bring the cash register. Right. Well, and that's what it's really f- about is is the state. I mean, I just registered my car here a Oof. little late in January and it costs... Did it get a late a, fee on you? No. Um, it costs 150 ish dollars. Some of it goes to the state. Some of it goes to the city of Keene, imposes their own fee mm-hmm. on top of the state fee. And then you got to get the state inspection, which I know goes to the... To the uh, you know the mechanics and stuff, but that it's a lot of money. My birthday happens to fall in December, which is when you got to start paying the oil bill. When I have to renew my car and I have to get snow tires and all these things, it's like an like with the car. I mean, it's like a thousand dollars extra to live in December for me. It stinks, and five hundred of it goes to the car. So what I was suggesting to the caller earlier is that he might want to consider the Free State Project, where you are more likely to find other people who value this sort of activism. I'm not saying there's a whole bunch of them, because most people just, you know, they're just not willing to take that kind of risk. We're just not to that point yet. But it sure would be pretty cool if 50 or 100 or 200 people who wanted to do freedom to travel activism would move here and do it. And then when you get caught, take it to court. I feel like you'd have to be very wealthy <laughs> to be able to do it. It would certainly help. We know that Steve Jobs did it, that he had uh, frequently had cars with no license plate on them, but that was some sort of loophole that he was taking advantage and of he in was rich, California. So. Right? He was taking advantage of a loophole that I think, if I'm recalling correctly, would allow, once you purchased or leased a new car, that you could have six months with no tag or something like that. And so he would just keep getting new new cars every six months. <laughs> So yeah, obviously the average person can't uh, can't afford that. No. But if yeah, no, if you get a junker car and uh, you manage to make it for a certain number of days before the police actually catch you, it'll probably end up being a whole lot more than the average person pays per day to own a car. Uh, but it it probably could be done. For me, it took me thirty took the cops about thirty miles of driving before they actually caught me. And you were actually there when uh, when I got caught. Yep. Uh, I had a private. He seemed very confused. Yeah, he's probably never seen anything like right, that before. Right, yeah, like he wasn't like, oh, hi, got him. He was like, huh? <laughs> right. And it was actually kind of an accident that I got caught. Uh, you had unfortunately gotten in a wreck, and I'd come out to, to get you uh, from that. It was the winter time, and so we I'd parked down the nearby street because I didn't want to park over by where the cops were so they would see my private plate. I had a custom plate made for my car. And it looked really great. Licenseplates.tv is where I had it done. And, they, you know, it's embossed. And it looked like a real license plate. 
And it said the Shire on the bottom of it. It had my phone number for the seven digits. And at the top, it had private and then the area code. So it's actually an identifying number. If somebody had called that number, they would have been able to talk to me. Like, hey, your driving sucks, buddy, or whatever. So it's probably a better identifying number than the random digits that the average person has on their their license plate. So from that perspective, I thought it was an improvement on the state plate. So I'd park down the street, and then we we were going back to the car after I'd come and gotten you, and you'd taken care of talking to the police and filling out whatever paperwork that they'd had. And we just kind of sat in the car because I didn't want to drive by the cops with my with my plate like that. I didn't want to tantalize them. And I should have. I should have just driven yeah. by because they would have been busy doing their accident scene stuff, and they probably wouldn't have noticed it at all. So that was a big mistake on my part. I should have just gone ahead and, and went for it. But what it ended up happening was the cop, Dwayne, uh, came by after he had wrapped up his paperwork at the scene, and he thought, well, I haven't seen them come out of that road, so I want to go and check on those uh, those people and make sure they're okay. It was his nice reasoning, guy. his ostensible reasoning for uh, for coming by. And as he was driving by, we we're uh, parked facing the wrong direction uh, against traffic, which is also illegal in New Hampshire. It's illegal in Florida, too. I was not aware. And so he then notices as he passes by the car that there's a weird plate on the back of it. And he looks at it and he puts his uh, his lights on and swings a U-turn. And, and I got a ticket for... I don't even remember what the charge was. Didn't he was. tow the car? We ha- we yeah. weren't allowed to drive it. That's right. He uh, he forced me to tow it. But thankfully, sometimes around here, they don't force you to take it to an impound yard. They'll give you the option of taking yeah. it to your house. So it was 100 bucks for the tow. And then I had to go to court. They ended up dropping the original charge, which was like registration without... God, I can't remember what it was. It's been so long. But they ended up dropping that charge and charging me with something else. Ultimately, I ended up being charged with having a registered car, a car that was registered in New Hampshire, but not displaying the plate. So I still wonder what the charge would have been had the car not been registered in New Hampshire and wasn't displaying, like, you know, a Wisconsin plate or something like that. I'll probably play with it again some point in the future. More coming up. 855-450-FREE. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 per month. You'll get perks and you'll help us free more minds worldwide. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live and you can bring up what you want. Toll free number here, 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll free line, 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website, over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that await you there. Uh, once again, freetalklive.com. Like the show? Want to help support the sh- uh, this program? You can do that by shopping with us. Go to shop.freetalklive.com. And that's where you'll find links to Amazon. There's Amazon US, UK, and Canada. You click into the right Amazon for you and Free Talk Live will get a portion of your purchase price. It's that simple. It's the same Amazon, same huge selection, free super saver shipping on a lot of their brand new items, even used items as well. So it's a great way to get the shopping done and get the stuff that you want and or need over at Amazon uh, through our website, shop.freetalklive.com. So get your shopping taken care of. Here with you this evening, it's Ian. And Julia. We're talking about, uh, a gentleman called in before uh, to bring up the freedom to travel. Still to come, though, uh, other... uh, issues of importance, including government-run health care, the national health care system over in or service over in the UK. It's a pretty tragic story we'll share with you about that. 
But, uh, you know, right to travel is an interesting subject and one that is a kind of a rare form of activism. It's a risky form of activism. But I think that there's a good possible vision for for its future. Normally what you usually hear about when it comes to right to travel is some lone nut or at least that's how they're positioned, is, is, is as a nut. And for all I know, they might be absolutely right in what they say. I've just never really seen the proof of it. But somebody out there going and uh, just driving around and not getting harassed by the police for having no registration and no driver's license. And our very own Michelle Seven, maybe we'll ask her about it tomorrow night. Cause she, sh- she should be here uh, filling in for Derek J., who unfortunately cannot be with us because he's on house arrest. Uh, but Michelle will be here, and she's done this freedom to travel stuff. In fact, she's one of the more recent participants in it. He can't come to his next door neighbors. It possibly would violate his bail if he came here. He would How be better off asking he has the one judge. Of the bl- one of the bracelets? Nope, nope. It's just if he's caught outside of uh, his house, he can be on the porch. He can be out in the yard. He just can't be somewhere where is not his address. And technically, even though the studio is next door to where he lives. Technically, it's not his address, so it's kind of a gray area, and I don't think he wants to risk yeah. it. So maybe he will ask the the robed man for permission to come next door, and then we'll be able to have Derek J in the studio. But until then, uh, Michelle Seven will be uh, will be filling in. But she's done some of this right to travel stuff, and has been doing it recently. And she believes that the police are now not pulling her over. And sometimes that can be an illusion. Maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe it's yeah. just yeah. So it's it's hard to really nail it down. Is it is it true that once you do enough right to travel activism, that the police just start to ignore you because they know that you're not going to pay? That's that's a critical aspect of this. If they know that you're going to just go ahead and roll over and shell out hundreds of dollars to the cops every time you get caught, well, they're going to make a point of pulling you over because then you're just like a piggy bank. They get to break you open every single time they see you on the roads. So if you're going to do right-to-travel activism, you would want to have the mentality of, I'm not going to pay. Which, of course, if they confiscate your car, can be a very difficult thing, right? So if they take your vehicle, put it in an impound lot, either you pay for it to get it out, or you have to break in to get the uh, the car out. If you do that, then you get charged with theft of services, and now you're looking at, you know, some jail time. As a result, because even though it's your car, they think it's their car once they put their hands on it and they consider that stealing. Hmm. So it's a pretty risky endeavor. But I think that numbers can really change how it works out, because if it's true and some people are saying that they think that uh, that, you know, they're immune now because they've done enough right to travel activism. They haven't paid. They've gone to court. They fought it all the way as much as they possibly can. And the cops are just like, ah, screw it. We're not going to get any money out of that person. But see, when I think about the attitude of the cops and not all cops, I have to say that because I I get emails sometimes if I say things like cops do this or Mm -hmm. cops do that. But some cops, I feel like uh, that would bother them. Just just the principle like that you're so cocky, I guess, is how they would view it, that they would just want to pull you over to hassle you. Maybe I'm just all I'm going on is what people are saying. You know what? What the folks who do right to travel activism have claimed. Some of them have claimed. I wonder because you can get a moped here. Mm-hmm. A moped registration is very cheap, but you can get mopeds on Craigslist, like old ones like for 500 like five hundred bucks. bucks or less. You know, old ones, and then losing it wouldn't really be such a big deal. 
like as opposed to thousands of dollars Absolutely. for cars. You yeah. still have to have the little. They got these cute little license plates, and it so. would make sense. It would make sense to go that direction, yeah. Julia, because then you're only like you say you're losing a little bit of money, and also maybe you're getting a better operating machine for five hundred dollars too. Because one of the problems with buying a junker car yeah. is taking it to the repair well, that's what I mean. shop. And if you were someone who was mechanically inclined, you could probably do some work on it. You right. know what I mean? It's much smaller. It's a much smaller engine. Um, there's two mopeds at my house, mm-hmm. and um, I think one of them costs like four hundred dollars, and the other one was like two hundred. Not bad. And, one, and they both work. They both work, and the two hundred dollar one, it it had like no miles on it at all, and it gets a hundred and eighty uh, gallons of gas. Or 180 miles to the gallon. So, so think about whether you do the mopeds or you do just cheap cars or whatever. Right. Think about how that would affect the system if you actually had large numbers of people doing it. And when I say large, I mean you know 50 or 100 or something like that. I, I consider that a huge movement. Uh, if you actually had that happening, then it would really change how it plays out because you could have some sort of an identifying sticker or the license plate. Like I mentioned before, I had a Shire license plate. You could have a custom plate that everybody who's doing the freedom to travel activism would have on their car. That way the cops eventually would learn, right? Like, oh, it's one of them. And they wouldn't want to pull, you know, in theory, they wouldn't want to pull you over because they know you're not going to pay up. And that's what it's all about anyway. It's about raising money. It's not about safety, because people but, who've got a, all kind of DUIs can get behind the wheel and, and drive somewhere and be completely registered. So it's not about safety. I understand that it's not about safety, and, and you're 100% correct, but I'm not so sure that all cops, you know what I mean? They kind of front like it's about safety. And I think when they're in training, it's like, this is all about safety. And the way we grow up, this is all about safety. So I'm not necessarily but how many sure believe that. that? I don't know. They might you say know, it th- to you, but how many believe it? How many cops actually, when they're writing out ticket after ticket after ticket, tell themselves it's all about safety? It's the law. How many of them? T- how many of them really realize that this is all? I don't know, but I'd be generator? very interested because it's it's to me it seems like they kind of live in a dream world, right? Like they tell themselves things to maybe to help them sleep at night, or sure, I think that's true. They. Yeah, they obviously have to they ignore certain parts. In a completely different paradigm. Right. And I think that, you know, a lot of them tell themselves this is about safety. I've I've seen police officers say some really dumb things like on the news and stuff about safety and like the lemonade. Remember there was mm. some little girl who got busted with lemonade and this this police chief actually could says be poison in there. Yeah. And she says it with a straight face and I'm just <laughs> thinking, really? <laughs> Yeah, I think that that could be a factor. But then again, also on the other side of that, maybe they don't want to have to deal with going to court. Although around here they get paid overtime to go to court. So nice. maybe they would want to go to court. Uh, again, I think that if you had the numbers, it would change how things play out. Because ultimately they don't want to do – I don't think they want to do a bunch of paperwork. They don't ultimately want to do the extra work they have to do to go to court, get put on a stand, be cross-examined, do all that stuff. And then to not have the person end up paying down the line. It's a big waste of their time and their and their effort. They want to go at they're bullies, so they want to go after the people that are going to pay up. Bully doesn't pick on somebody that's going to stand up for themselves. The bully picks on the easy marks. I know not all cops are bullies, but the way they kind of behave is uh, is bully like, and they're doing something that's very similar to to being a bully. So if everybody had some kind of identifying marker that was doing freedom to travel activism, that could kind of keep them away. I'm convinced there was one time I was parked downtown in Keene where I did not get a parking ticket, and I should have. I was down there for like two hours, 
and I probably blew over my time on the meter by an hour plus. And when I came down there, a car next to my car had a ticket on it. So I knew for a fact that the woman had come by and ticketed cars while I was, while I was in there. Seemed very likely that, it, that I should have been ticketed for it. But I figured that maybe she knew which car was mine and she didn't want to ticket it because she knows I'm going to take that parking ticket to court. Because I've done it twice now. And one time when I was in court, I asked the bureaucrat, I said, well, how many tickets would you have given out if you'd actually been out on the streets right now? Because she'd spent two hours in court, as I did, waiting for the trial and then, you know, half an hour in the trial, 40 minutes in the trial. She said she'd have given out 25 tickets or 20 tickets. So I saved another 20-something people from getting parking tickets simply by taking mine to court. And then ultimately ended up paying 50 bucks to a local charity to make it all go away and never gave a dime to the state. So if they start having a, a movement of people who are doing this, what do they do? In fact, some activists went in, speaking of parking tickets, like four or five activists all got parking tickets once. And they all went in together to file for their court cases. They've never heard. Back. It's been more than 90 days. Really? They dropped the, They must have dropped the charges because there's a rule that says if it doesn't go to prosecution after 90 days, the charge has to be dropped. So they asked for their trial. Never got it. Charge is gone. 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live. I am so excited about Porkfest this year. Porkfest? What's that? It's the Porcupine Freedom Festival, a fun and educational camping event put on every summer by the Free State Project. This year it's going to be happening June 18th to the 24th at Rogers Campground in Lancaster, New Hampshire. Okay, I like camping and I definitely like freedom, but my budget is tight. Tickets are only $30 for the whole week if you get them before May 1st. Well, that sounds reasonable, but what goes on there? (laughs) What doesn't go on at Porkfest? There are speakers, family fun, dance parties, karaoke, a comedy roast, hiking, campfires, sports, a wedding, and all kinds of delicious food. But the part that I like best is spending time with other people who love freedom. Mm, That's sounding pretty good to me. Where can I go to learn more? Check out Porkfest.com and make sure you spell pork like a porcupine. P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Like what you see? Looks like a blast. Okay, I'm in. See you at Porkfest. While you're there, check out how you can become a VIP, very important porcupine, for a modest donation. See you at Porkfest. Bring up anything you want. Toll-free number here is 855-453-SACL-CAI. It's the CAI toll-free line joining you tonight. It's Ian. And Julia. Once again, 855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. And enjoy the features that await you there. Again, freetalklive.com. So, uh, by the way, I didn't mention to you last hour, but I intended to. We're talking about uh, doing freedom to travel activism and getting freedom to travelers together. Freedomers to travel. Many people that want to be free to travel. Uh, bringing them together to the same place I think would be a good strategy. That way they can support one another. I gave the example right before we went to break about how uh, there's a number of activists who had parking tickets uh, delivered to them here in Keene. Now, a parking ticket in Keene, New Hampshire, not the uh, the worst most risky thing to do activism on. And that's why it's a great opportunity for folks. If you get a parking ticket, you can challenge it and take it to court. It's a $5 ticket here. 
some places parking tickets a little more expensive. Like New York City? city. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What's it cost there? 40 bucks or um, something? I think it's 75 What? Yeah. Well, my cousin, apparently, my when I went to visit my grandma, my, my grandma told me that my cousin always goes to New York City, insists on parking in the street, and always comes Gets home a with a $75 ticket. Wow. So I could be incorrect, but that was the number I've heard most recently. It probably depends on the zone that you're parked in. Times Square. (laughs) Yeah. And so five bucks, not a huge risk. Even if you go to trial and end up being found guilty, you know, at that point you could still pay the ticket and it wouldn't be a big deal. Because thankfully here in New Hampshire, the uh, trials don't have court costs associated with them. So in some places... You take a parking ticket to trial, they have these different rules where in some states, anything you take to trial, they're going to slap, uh, slap you with you know a few hundred bucks in court costs. So unless you win, which you're not going to win in most of these cases, uh, then you're really screwed. Yeah. And it's totally not worth doing that. And not only in some places do they have these extra court costs, but in some places they have a real scam where they'll tell you that, yeah, sure, you can take your ticket to court so long as you pay it in advance. So you can't actually take the ticket to court until you pay them the full amount of the ticket. Then you can go to court on it. What is the point of that? It's a scam. That gives you no them no incentive at all to reduce the fine or whatever. They're going to give you money back. I don't think so. No, exactly. It's just it's just a scam. Just from top to bottom. So where you are in the political jurisdiction makes a difference. So join the Free State Project. Go to freestateproject.org and get up here because if you're together with other people that have a like mindset, other people that want to be free, other people that are willing to do something about being free, then you're going to be more successful. And imagine how it felt for those bureaucrats behind the parking desk at the uh, – you know they've got these windows of bulletproof glass or whatever where you have to talk to someone through a little speaker – But imagine being the bureaucrat behind the desk and seeing four or five people walk in at once. All of them want to challenge the parking ticket. What do you think is going through their mind? Probably frustrated. Probably really upset that, uh, you know, these people are just – how dare they? How dare they not just pay up like good citizens? Well, I'm not sure that they have that much emotion. I I feel – maybe I'm wrong about how the parking – people work but i'm picturing like a secretary mm-hmm. and i can't help but feel like a secretary wouldn't really care either way it's more paperwork she has to do she's got to file more paperwork that way she's got to start a court case they've got to go through what, whatever the process is there's some sort of process involved there and that usually involves work and these are bureaucrats they don't want to do that stuff they don't want to have to do work they want they'd be happy to take your money from you but they don't want to actually do the work so they're used to most people paying. And, of course, that brings you back or brings us to a kind of long-running theme on this program, and that is that uh, their, their power rests on your obedience. As long as people, you, continue to be obedient, as long as you keep paying little fine after little fine after little fine, then they're just going to keep – well, they're going to keep thinking they can fine you because, boy, they keep shaking money out of these people. Let's, let's come up with more things to make illegal. Let's come up with more regulations, more ways to control people. Of course, that's exactly what they do. Freestateproject.org, you can not only engage in things like non-cooperation, which is what we're talking about right now, because it's not really civil disobedience. I mean, you're not – I guess to some extent, if you're doing freedom to travel, I guess that is civil disobedience, although it's not really something you're necessarily announcing in advance. But if you're doing something like just fighting a parking ticket, 
That's non-cooperation. So you don't have to go all the way. And this is one of the things I think it's really important to point out for folks because someone posted on the Internet not too long ago that they felt like there was this mentality up here or a vibe that if you don't do civil disobedience, you're not a good activist, which is nonsense. And I don't I know, can see where she's coming from. I don't understand where she's coming from at all. Where where does that vibe come from? Everybody who does civil disobedience and non-cooperation is more than happy in most cases to work with the political folks and get out there and do petitioning or, you know, so a lot of them go and vote. Uh, I mean, a number of self, self-professed anarchists voted for Ron Paul uh, this I year. I just, you know, I see comments sometimes from people who I think would be considered like real big civil disobedience stars. I see comments that kind of put others down or you know what i mean kind of imply that they're somehow morally superior and Mm. you know it's just it's a vibe it's not necessarily something that you know what i mean you're saying well that's not true but a vibe is more something you feel it's it's not you know what i mean it's not that cut and dry i just wonder why because i mean you see an occasional comment i just just said i could see why someone would come to that conclusion they'd have to be really sensitive or something because i don't see that happening at all yeah I but you're in the middle of it so your perspective is is irrelevant i see all kinds of uh you know non-civil disobedient activism happening here all manner of uh of politics and all manner of getting involved inside the system and i think to myself well that's the super majority of the activism that goes on here because fact is most people aren't willing to do civil disobedience. So you're talking about a very small minority of people. And it reminds me of the, the people that will say like, well, I don't want to join the Free State Project because that Ian Freeman's up there. As though you should avoid the most exciting and effective movement, liberty movement that we've ever seen in our lifetime simply because you have a personality conflict with one person? Really? Is that – I mean that's petty in my book. Look, if you don't like me, that's fine. Or if you don't like Joe Blow, that's your business. Don't hang out with that person. Don't do activism with that person. Don't associate. There are over a 1,000 people in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. And there are many more than that 1,000 that are locals and natives and people that have been here for a long time that are, that are activists. Actually, was out doing uh, some jury outreach this morning, and uh, David was out there, who's one of the the locals. He's been here for a lot longer than the Free State Project has existed. He's not a not a native per se, but he's New England native, and he's lived uh, in the Keene area for a long time. David was there uh, pretty much at the same time that I got there. Like he's one of the most reliable people uh, in the movement, and he's from around here, right? So he's not even an activist. Anyway, my point being, there's there's a whole lot of stuff happening here and if you want to do something that's really going to make a difference you've got to get together with other people that think like you do so go to freestateproject.org and you can get signed up there and there's a forum where you can go and talk to other people that are here and ask them questions and once again that's freestateproject.org there's a lot that can go on here and if you get enough people together you don't even have to necessarily do civil disobedience but we're talking about traveling freedom and there could be some reform that happens at the political level I mean, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it to where politically you don't get to go to jail if you get caught driving. Because I think that's crazy. It is. When I was when I was in jail, there was a guy in there, and he's probably he's probably just gotten out. Like as of a few weeks ago, he was in there for a year for driving. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't mean driving drunk or recklessly. I just mean driving without government papers. And it's called a habitual offender status, and I guess not every state has it, but probably a bunch of them do. And 
he was going to work. He's got a kid, you know, a wife. <laughs> well, that kid's probably a lot better, more, you know, and a lot better off. Now that dad's in jail. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now that the state has protected them from his irresponsible father. Right. 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number. And this guy was one of the nicest guys. I was in jail with guys that were in for DUI. The worst sentence for the DUI guys, 21 days. Just goes to show you what their perspective is on what's important. Disobey the government? Don't get your papers? That's a year in jail. 855-453. DUI? Put someone in danger? 20 days. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. is free talk live you can take control of the airwaves all you have to do dial in toll free 855-453 the SACL CAI toll free line joining you tonight it's Ian and Julia once again it's 855-450-3733 and join us on our website over at freetalklive.com you can enjoy the features that you will find there we've got the bulletin board system where you can get interactive with other free talk live listeners you can also get access to the show prep that we use on the air over in the show notes section at bbs.freetalklive.com, bbs.freetalklive.com, uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's what readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided the detailed real news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship we have with coercive governments. freedomsphoenix.com offers up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police state. Go now to freedomsphoenix.com, get signed up, for their free daily dispatch at freedomsphoenix.com. Toll-free number here again, 855-453. The National Health Service is what it's called over in the UK. And for those that don't know, the United Kingdom has a government-run healthcare system. And they've had it for a while. And now and then we'll see an interesting story that's worth sharing about exactly what is life like when the government is in charge of your health care. Sounds wonderful. Oh, really? I think DMV, the post office isn't really a government agency, but I think it's one where they regularly interact with the public, you know? So, like, when you picture postal workers, you picture really grumpy old ladies. I don't know. I've seen some exceptions to that in in certain post offices, but yeah, there certainly is a a, a well-deserved reputation. Yes. You know, I think it's not even necessarily about the people. For me, it's the environment. I hate going in the post office because I feel like I'm in just in another world. I mean, there's no wall decorations. It's very outdated. It's very dingy. It's like, you know, it's not like a normal store would be like if like, you know, friendly, inviting. Right. Exactly. So it's just it's institutional. It's terrible. It it. You know, the, right. the government has this institutional feel. They don't have to 
They don't have to improve things. They don't have to uh, make lives, their lives better. I love better. the uh, the their liquor stores here. Like, just the sign is so drab. The most bland, yep. boring font that you could possibly use for well, the, the state liquor stores. Yep, we have a whole shopping center here, and you look at all the signs, and there's bright and they're colorful mm-hmm. and they all have their logo and they're really unique and then you look at the liquor store and it just says like liquor store or yep. something <laughs> you know exactly so take uh, i like how you use the dmv in the post office take the uh, unfriendliness of the dmv and combine it with the speed of the post office and uh, you know you might get some idea of what government health care would be like but it's much worse than that because we're talking about people's lives here I mean, it's one thing if you lose a package in the mail it's another thing if you lose, oh, I don't know, your grandfather? Here's the story from the Daily Mail over in the UK. When Kenneth Warden was diagnosed with terminal bladder cancer, his hospital consultant sent him home to die, ruling that at age 78, Kenneth was too old to treat. Yikes. Even the palate of surgery or chemotherapy that could have eased his distressing symptoms were declared off limits because of his age. His distraught daughter, Michelle Halligan, accepted the sad prognosis but was determined her father would spend his last months in comfort. So she paid for him to be seen privately by a second doctor to discover what could be done to ease his symptoms. Thanks to her tenacity, Kenneth got the drugs and surgery he needed, and as a result, his cancer was actually cured. Four years on, he's a sprightly 82-year-old who works out out at the gym, drives a sports car, and competes in a rowing team. She says you could call his recovery amazing. It's certainly a gift, but the fact is, he was written off because of his age. He was left to suffer so much and so unnecessarily. So, this guy was told by the National Health Service doctors, "Up, oh, you're too old. You know, we're not even we're not even going to give you therapy. We're we're not even going to spend the money to make your your last months of your life comfortable. Not even going to do that." She goes to a second doctor, private doctor, gets an opinion, gets him on, you know, treatment, and they cure the cancer. And now he's doing well, fine. I mean, I know 78 is old, but it's not that old anymore. And I think that if you are healthy, that you can live well past 78. Uh, my grandma and grandpa are celebrating their 80th and 85th birthday this mm-hmm. year. And I wouldn't say that they're the most healthy people in the world, but they're still living and they're still walking and talking and completely aware. And so that's seven years. And that's pretty good. I mean, seven years to me, that's to say, no, you can't have seven more years of your life seems really wrong. Well, they decided he wasn't worth the money. I mean, they th- what goes on with these government health care programs is essentially a form of triage. And they they decide, based on their budget, well, this old man, he's not exactly paying taxes anymore, so we've only got so much money to spend. Uh, we're going to go ahead and help the younger folks, not these old people. You know what's really funny about that is that people who are really big supporters of socialist healthcare systems will say, you know, little bumper sticker slogans like healthcare is a right and right. Take, uh, care of everyone. take the money out of healthcare. Mm. So it's funny because in this instance you've got what they want, right? Government healthcare, free healthcare, and he's being turned away because it's not in the budget. Well, it's not that they couldn't afford. I mean, they've got billions and well, billions of dollars. Well, they've made the decision that it's right. not in the budget. They've decided that he's not worth it, essentially. Your your life isn't worth it. So it doesn't matter whether Kenneth has paid his entire life into this system. And you would think that that would, be, yeah. that would count for something. 
that he spent his whole life paying into the system. Now comes time to collect. In fact, that's the the you know the the pitch from the government is, hey, we'll take care of you, cradle cradle to grave. We'll take care of you. Just pay us all this tax money every single year, and then no. you can count on us. We'll take care of you. Just I wouldn't say just pay us is accurate. We'll take this now. Yeah. <laughs> And we'll take care of you. Yeah, except they take it and then down the line decide, yeah, you can just go and die. You're old. Just just go off and have Grandpa. some pain. Go go off and have uh, chronic pain, terminal bladder cancer, and you can die. Because you don't give us any money anymore, pops. <laughs> so sad. It's not funny at all. It's sad. Sadly, Kenneth's story is a symptom of a dreadful truth, according to the Daily Mail. Shocking new research by Macmillan Cancer Support. Every year... They say many thousands of older people are routinely denied life-saving NHS treatments because their doctors write them off as too old to treat. It's often left to close family members to fight for their rights. But although it's now British law that patients must never be discriminated against on the basis of age, such battles often prove futile. Michelle's fight began in September of 2008 when her father noticed blood in his urine. His general practitioner sent him to a consultant urologist at a hospital in the northwest of England, and a large tumor was found in his bladder. An MRI scan showed the tumor was advanced and went through his bladder, wall, and muscle. A minor operation enabled Kenneth to pass urine, but left him needing to do so every 20 minutes, day and night. How in the hell are you supposed to sleep? If you have to get up every 20 minutes to pee. I don't know. So we'll come back with more about uh, his story here. 855-450-FREE. Remember, this is not unusual. This is typical. This is how these government health care systems work. Oh, and I know. If you're a government health care supporter, you're saying, well, we would do it different. We would do it right here in the United States. Yeah. 855-450-FREE. Like the DMV does it right? This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. Take control of the airwaves here toll-free. This is Free Talk Live, and the number is 855-453. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. 855-450-3733 here tonight. It is Ian with you. And Julia. And we're inviting you over to our website. Lots of features await you there. If you've got a mobile phone, a smartphone specifically, you can go to m as in mobile.freetalklive.com, and that's where you'll get quick access to our live streams, and the podcast, and the software that you need to listen to said live streams, go to m.freetalklive.com. We're talking about a story out of the uh, NHS, the National Health Service over in Great Britain. And of course, if you thought that service actually stood for service, well, you don't know much about the NHS system. Because they only serve the people they want to serve. They don't have any obligation to you. Remember, this is important to remember about governments. Maybe you're new to this program. Government has no obligation to provide you with anything. I know. They tell you that they're going to protect you. They tell you all kinds of things. They're lying. They have no obligation to give you anything. They don't have an obligation to show up if you call the police. And they don't have an obligation to take care of your grandfather if he gets sick. 
I know they want you to believe otherwise because they want you to feel good about paying them the tax money that you pay them every single year. I was looking at a thread on one of my friend's Facebook pages from high school. He's talking about how he hates doing taxes and that he used to take pride in it and now he just hates it. And one of his friends commented that he takes pride in doing his own his taxes. He can do it himself and he's proud about that. It just made me just so God, it's just so sad. I can do it myself too. Doesn't mean it feels well. In my case, I get the refund. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't my taxes. I do them on TurboTax. It doesn't take. It's annoying, but it doesn't take that long, and it's not that big of a deal. And I get the check. I'm I'm more hurt when I see how much is taken out of my paycheck every week. For sure, that's where it hits me. If I had to pay at the end of the year, ugh, gosh. You know, I just hope that never happens. Right. And the more uh, the the older you get, the more assets you start acquiring, the more complicated these things get. It's just sad to see people so obedient. And then I, I of course, spoke up and I was like, well, screw paying those criminals. I'm not going to pay them. They hurt people. They kill people. I have no interest in in associating with that. And then one of his I guess one of his friends uh, has his parents working for the IRS or worked for the IRS. And he started talking about, well, you like you get on the roads, don't you? And you like the police and you got the fire. The IRS doesn't pay for roads. Yes, that's what I responded with. was like, well, I do pay local taxes and that covers the roads and the fire department, the police and, you know, almost everything you mentioned. He did mention Social Security. I was like, yeah, I I don't pay Social Security. I don't pay into a Ponzi scheme. I'm not interested in that. And it's just it's it's sad. It's sad. These people believe that they are getting something, some sort of value, out of paying taxes. And I'm just, it's pathetic. So then all well, of a sudden, if you find somebody out the hard takes way. a lot of money from you, uh, it's much easier and feels better to tell yourself that it's for a good reason. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing you can really do about it. So, well, you could man up and not pay. I don't have but, that choice. I don't know. I know people who've worked in jobs before who claim that they don't pay, but I don't know how they do it. Well, you like can a- file exempt, but your company may, it depends on the company. Like co- some companies will say, come down no, you. you can't file exempt, you know, because they'll come after the company. Possible. That's one of the problems with working for a, a corporate job because it's really difficult to get corporations to go along with that. But all that aside... Uh, yeah, I think you're right. People do tell themselves a story to justify their their I situation. Mean, I probably paid, you know, two three thousand dollars. I'm not sure. Like I said, I got to check back, so I don't know. But let's say I paid three thousand dollars. I could really use three thousand dollars. Sure, go a long way to paying so off your car. It's much easier for me to pretend like I'm doing a good thing by giving up that three thousand dollars, as opposed to realizing that three thousand dollars was stolen from me to kill people in Iraq or yeah. wherever. So uh, so a lot of people tell themselves a story about the National Health Service over in the UK. Oh, this is great. I can go in and go to the hospital and not have to pay a dime. This is super. Government's taking care of me. But maybe they just haven't had a, a you know grandparent get old enough to where they realize what's going on. Or to, to where the, the person who believes the government system is good doesn't really have a clue. Because they've only experienced it from their perspective as being a younger person. When you turn into a 79-year-old gentleman here, or 78 at the time, when he was diagnosed with terminal bladder cancer, he had to get up every 20 minutes to go to the bathroom, day and night. According to the story here of the Daily Mail, he was exhausted, says his daughter, by lack of sleep. It was making him more ill than the tumor was. The pain was like having permanent cystitis. Sounds terrible. So, but I was asked, uh, when I asked for dad to be given help for this, the consultant said there was no treatment available. 
it doesn't mean that there's no treatment he can have. It just means that they're not going to give it to him, meaning we've decided it will not be available to your father. Michelle, who lives in Chester and is married with two children, wasn't satisfied. As a former midwife, she was confident, more confident than, uh, than most, about attempting her own medical research on the Internet. She read on one site that radiotherapy could shrink the tumor and give her father relief from his terrible symptoms. Further surgery on the bladder might help even more. She says, I was not looking for a cure, just a way to give my father some quality of life for the time he had remaining. She said, we went back to the urologist and asked about radiotherapy. I also wanted to know why my father could not have an operation to relieve his urinary symptoms. The doctor said that my father was 78 and these treatments would not be appropriate because he was too old. Now, when you become a medical doctor, I thought there was this thing called the Hippocratic Oath, which essentially says, I'm paraphrasing as I understand it, says that, you know, you'll do no harm. The, essentially, it's yeah. your, role, your role to help people. Is it doing harm when you look at an old man and say, yeah, yeah, you know, you're just too old. We're just not going to be able to help you, buddy. Take a hike. Sounds awful. Yeah, I'm sorry. I feel like that violates the Hippocratic Oath. But nonetheless, he was told he was too old. Besides that, he was working out at the gym, very fit and muscular, runs, uh, lifelong rower. But all the consultant would say was, I'm sorry, you have to accept that your father is dying. Now, she says, I had no issue with the hospital. It was a very good hospital, but I couldn't believe the surgeon. We went back to our general practitioner, but they believed the consultant. I got the impression that I was considered to be an interfering woman. In desperation, the family found nearly 3,000 pounds to pay for private tests and a second opinion from a consultant in Birmingham. Now, before we go on with their story, government likes to to have you believe that they're going to take care of you. Social Security program, perfect example of this. Oh, you just pay in 13% or 15% of your paycheck every single month. Remember, it's half comes out of your paycheck. The other half comes out before it even hits your, your paycheck's tally. So the, gov- the, uh, the company you're working for is taking that out yeah. before it hits your paycheck. So in, in reality, it's like 15% that goes to Social Security. So they're taking this money out of your paycheck every single week on the promise that somewhere down the line, you're going to be able to get a, a check cut when you retire. So the idea is that, well, you just let us handle your retirement. You're not smart enough to handle your own retirement. Which is funny because if you work for any company, I mean, with the exception of like mom and pops, pretty much all of them offer you a lot of options with 401k, including company match. Yeah, but you don't have to do that, right? Like, no, no, no. It's completely voluntary, yeah. but they make it very easy. And both but you're just so dumb, Julia. You have to be forced to do the right both thing. Both companies I've worked for, like I've heard the owners say, please take this. It's free money. Mm. I want to give you free money. Right. You know what I mean? So it's not like you're discouraged. You're very much encouraged to do so. And I mean, it just seems that Social Security is so stupid. It is. But the idea is... A very persuasive one, and that is that we'll take care of you. Just pay it up. Pay it up every single week, every other week on your paycheck, and we'll take care of you. Just turn 65, and we'll cut you a check. It'll be so great. I've seen some of those Social Security checks. I've seen a lot of them because of the uh, bank. And, uh, well, first of all, most of the old people that used them and relied on them completely, Mm. poor. Absolutely. There was not enough money to live. Right. That's what you've got to keep in mind here is you still, even despite having these government programs around, have to take care of yourself. You have to plan for your own retirement. But imagine what would happen 
Remember, this situation, they found 3,000 pounds. They managed to scrounge up that kind of money to do the you know, testing that was necessary outside of the national health system. What if they'd been people who hadn't relied on themselves and just relied on the government to take care of them? That man would be in pain and possibly dead. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Toll-free number here, 855-453-SACL-CAI. Toll-free line, one 450 3733 Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features on the site. We give them to you. Now, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is simple. <laughs> You send in three bucks a month, we'll take that and invest it in the show, getting on more radio stations around the country and bringing more listeners on board, exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. Go to amp.freetalklive.com, get signed up there, and you can use any major credit card through PayPal or use Visa or MasterCard right on our website, amp.freetalklive.com. We'll come back and talk more about the national health system or service, whichever one it is, over in the UK and how it is that they're basically leaving old people out in the cold. They're just telling older folks, uh, "Yeah, you're too old. We're just not going to. We're, you know, we're not going to spend money on you. Just go off and die." That's that's literally what they're doing. Uh, we'll continue that here in a moment because you can expect that uh, when government health care takes over in this country, if government health care takes over, you're going to see the same stuff happening here. But first, we go to Alex listening in Oregon. Alex, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's on your mind tonight? I wanted to ask, I was listening to the show, and you were just saying that um, you don't pay any taxes other than local taxes. My question is, are you concerned that one day you're going to end up with the IRS showing up and all their guns, just like Ed and Elaine? Well, well, Ed and Elaine uh, Brown are people who were more Ed Brown more so than Elaine Brown. Ed Brown was was paranoid and was I mean I met them I went to their house yeah so. he hugged me and groped me he groped you yeah it was creepy he uh he's a weird bird and it was kind of uh hinting at possible violence as a, as a solution and I think that's one of the reasons why they ended up getting the severe sentencing that they and did and she wasn't just not paying taxes she was an employer who was not like, remember, I think she was not charging, the, she was not setting that up for them. She was telling her employees, which I think is really great, but I think they're more likely to come after someone that was in charge of a whole bunch of people not paying taxes, you know? Perhaps. I don't really recall how much of a factor that was in their, really? in their sentencing. I honestly she was don't a, know. She was a dentist or had a yeah, dentist's office, and she did not take taxes out of people's paycheck. Right. Um, you, you'd have to go back and look at that, but I'm pretty sure one of the reasons why they got such severe sentencing was because of the let's hole up in our house and shoot anybody that comes here kind of sure. uh, mentality. I mean, that's, 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 
that's an extreme case. I agree. But, right. I mean, if you look um, at Larkin Rose as another example, Larkin Rose, who has written a number of books uh, that are very, very good. One of them, a couple of them about taxes, and others uh, that are, I think are even better. Uh, one of uh, you know, he went to jail for I think two to three years. He was in a minimum security federal prison uh, in that case. And of course, they went after Larkin Rose because, well, he was writing books and ab- advocating that people not pay taxes. So they wanted to, you know, make an example of him. So. Um, do, am I concerned well, I guess, about that? You're sure, it's a, a well, real possibility. My, my more, huh? uh, more. What I'm trying to say is that you're openly defying it and saying it right on the radio. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, don't you think people should stand up for what they believe in? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, so here's my thing. Right. Asking so, for trouble. Well, I don't think it's asking for trouble necessarily. Um, I think it's standing up for what I believe in and hopefully encouraging others to follow suit. Uh, look, the way I see it is, if I say something. Then I should do. I should be willing to do what I say. If I think that not paying taxes is important, what kind of a hypocrite would I be if I got I on the airwaves and yeah, said, I can't argue that. "Hello, hey everybody, uh, I think you shouldn't pay taxes." <laughs> I mean, what what kind of a you know jerk uh, would I be in that in that instance? So I'd much rather get on the radio and say, "Hey, look, uh, here I am on the radio. I don't pay, and I would recommend you not pay." You know, if you've got a conscience and you don't want to support killing. And, uh, you know, you want to make your life better, at least in the immediate term, keep keep your money, spend it on your family, spend it on your house, spend it on, you know, your loved ones and local charities Are or you whatever. saying I don't have a conscience? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if you do have a conscience, you should consider not paying taxes because you're, you're paying for killing. You're dealing I with terrorists. I would consider not paying for taxes if I worked for myself. There you go. Well, that's but, great. Someday you will. And that's yeah. a perfect time to stop. So again, it's not well, right could, for everybody. If I could but, stop them taking, uh, if I could stop them taking the taxes out of my paycheck, I would do it. But great, I don't, I don't have a way of doing that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, there are people out there that say they know how to do it, well, like Julia with the whole. Not you can file thing. exempt, and they could theoretically catch you or let it slide. I, you know what I mean? The IRS has a lot of things to look at, and I think often it's overlooked. But some companies will see that and say, "Wait a sec, you know, is this right?" And will question you about it because they don't want to deal with. What could come down the line, and if they do catch you, they'll start garnishing your garnish, paychecks. Yeah. That's a problem with working inside well, the system. Have to look into that. Yeah, there are different options out there, but again, and I appreciate the concern, and I, I get it. You know, I, at some point, you just have to be willing to take those risks. I mean, if you want to be free, you have to act like it. And if you yeah. want to be free, you have to. There's going to be risk involved, and there's there's always the chance that you could end up going into a jail cell. I mean, that's part of the the <laughs> it's part of the game, uh, essentially. So I think it's important for other people to come on board and to do it together. That way, we can stand together rather than you know fall separately, so to speak. So yeah, of course, there's always that possibility. But if you live afraid of these people, then what good of a life? What kind of a life is that? Start a whole movement to get people to not pay taxes. Well, there's already a fairly large amount of people that don't pay taxes. If you actually look at the numbers, there's millions of people in this country that uh, that don't pay taxes. So it's already something that happens uh, on a fairly frequent basis. But I don't know to what extent that they all know who each other are or back each other up when uh, when something happens to one of them. And I think that that's unfortunate. And it's also, of course, you know, at the same time, there's still the slave on slave mentality where if somebody hears that you don't pay taxes, they get upset because they pay taxes and everybody should pay taxes. Because if I've been abused, then everybody should be abused. And so it's, you know, it can be a really risky, uh, risky endeavor. But I can tell you that, uh, you know, in all the years that I haven't paid, they've never once even sent me a a warning notice or, or anything like that. 
So not to say that they won't all of a sudden send me one next year or not that they're, you know, they could be waiting 10 years to hit me with 10 years at once or, or whatever. And it's just one of those things where once you start doing it, you just have to accept in advance that this could lead you to a prison cell and you have to be willing to take those risks. And I hope that, I hope that more people will take those risks because that's the whole idea is you want to be the change you wish to see in the world, right? So, or at least that's how I feel. So set the example. Does that answer your question, Alex? Super. Yeah, it does. All, All right. right. Thanks, Thanks uh, for the call. Show. Appreciate hearing from okay, you, sir. Bye-bye. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. I don't want to go to prison. I really don't. But I also don't want to be obedient serf. I don't want to just bend over and take it. I'm sick of it. I don't want to be told what to do. I don't want to be told how to live. And I don't want to uh, be oppressed. And I'm being oppressed in enough damn ways. Local property taxes are brutal enough on me. I don't like paying those either. And at some point, I'll probably stop paying those too, or only pay a portion of it or something. Pay, you know, like 40% in protest. See what happens then. Yeah, they They'll might take, take your my house. house. They might take my house from me. So what? Then you have nowhere to live. Well, just pay rent somewhere. Whatever. That's silly. You I think feel so? that is silly. You think so? For them to come take your house? Yeah. Well, what victory does that gain you? Well, there's never, a, I mean, when it comes to the government, there's never a victory. You're always going to lose. If they decide to target you for for being free, you're going to lose. The only question is how much are you going to lose? Are you going to lose your life? Are you going to lose your freedoms? Are you going to lose some money? Yeah, that's the only question. You're going to lose time. You're going to lose money, a place to live. I mean, to me, that's it's just not worth it. Well, at some point, I'm going to get sick and tired of keeping of having to pay to put peaceful people in jail cells. Like I'm, I'm beyond the point where I can, where I can live with myself for paying for killing. Like the feds, they're killing people. That I can't handle. It's more difficult for me to handle them putting people in jail, like the local boys. They're not killing people like the feds are. So I can more tolerate it. At least I can go and talk to these people. I can perhaps have some level of influence. That's why I haven't quite given up on it yet. Plus, it would be nice to have other people again you know, to get together with and, and disobey together, like to have a, a bunch of homeowners cut a 40% check rather than a full check. What would happen then? Would they take everyone's home? I don't know. Then what? Are we get, do we all get to go on welfare? If they take your home for, uh, from you, do you then get to go and live in a government home at that point? Uh, that's interesting because you would think that a large percentage of people who don't pay property taxes are simply too poor to pay them. It's not, you know, that they're mm-hmm. being disobedient. It's that they can't afford to pay it. Yeah, that's typical. So it's interesting. And I wonder if uh, they can keep, you know, I don't know what all the rules are, right? So like here in New Hampshire, if it's three years, the property taxes, if you haven't paid for three years, they can do a tax sale on your home. But what if you're still paying? So like, yeah. what if you're still making payments, but you're not paying the full amount? So I'm paying 40% instead of, uh, if, I, if I were to, I'd be paying 40%, cut out like the school portion or something like that. Because here it's 60% goes to the schools. So I'd you know, give 40% to uh, the local tax board and then take the other 60% that I would have gone and sent to them, send it to the private school down the street. So that way it's, you know, I can show people, hey, look, this isn't about Ian Freeman being greedy. It's about me not wanting to be forced to pay for things that I don't value. So I'd still be spending the same amount of money. It's just that That's some of it wouldn't go to the government. 855-450-FREE. And imagine if you could get a movement of people doing that. What would that do? What would that change? But if everybody just cowers and stick their head in the sand, uh, well, nothing will change. Hour three is next. Free talk. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. 
We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Franks, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 855-453, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features that await you there. Freetalklive.com allows you to control the content of the site. If you find something online that you think is interesting or enjoyable or fun, uh, you can submit it as show prep over at freetalklive.com. Other listeners can then vote as to whether or not they like or dislike what you've suggested. And the most liked, make it to the front page and the top of the website over at freetalklive.com. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. Maybe we'll share with you what's at the top of the site here in a moment. Uh, But first, we're going to continue some news that we were reporting on last hour about the National Health Service. Now, this is the the UK where they have uh, government health care. And thankfully, there are apparently still private options available. You know, if you can get enough money together, you can go with a private solution. Sort of how people with enough money today in the U.S. can send their kids to a private school where they still have to pay for the government schools. But then on top of that, if they can afford to pay for a private school, then their kids can get out of the government school system and go into a private school. Well, it's kind of the same situation for healthcare over in the, uh, the U.K., where government runs the healthcare system, but if you've got enough money, you can find some private uh, healthcare. And in this case, these folks uh, had to come up with three thousand pounds to pay for some private tests and a second opinion from a consultant uh, about a seventy-eight-year-old man's terminal bladder cancer. And what he'd been told by the National Health Service and their doctors, their expert doctors, was that. Yep, you've got uh, terminal bladder cancer and you're going to die because we're not going to help you. That's so awful. Yep, so just uh, prepare yourself, old man. Your time's up. But his daughter decided that that wasn't good enough and that they were going to uh, try to you know, go some sort of alternative option. She did. They found a, a private consultant and the consultant agreed that dad should be given, she says uh, this is from the Daily Mail, that dad should be given chemotherapy to shrink his tumor prior to radical cystectomy. Uh, And so the operation involves removing the bladder, surrounding lymph nodes, and the prostate gland. Though neither Michelle or her father had private medical insurance, the new consultant arranged for Kenneth to have the operation on the NHS at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham. The treatment there was superb, she said. Dad went for chemotherapy every week for nine weeks. And uh, and he you know went back in March and had the cystectomy. The operation went well, and we felt it would relieve so much of his anguish during the time he had left. But as it turned out, the chemotherapy and surgery didn't just relieve his symptoms; they also cured his cancer. After four years after the operation, a total body scan shows Kenneth to be completely free of the disease. He's back rowing and working out at the gym, enjoys seven holidays abroad, and has bought himself a sports car. She feels strongly that her father's case proves that elderly people are still discriminated against by the National Health Service. And she even reported that the first consul- she even reported first the first consultant to the General Medical Council saying that his actions constituted pure ageism. But they said that he hadn't acted wrongly as it was a quote matter of professional opinion, 
unquote. So basically, if you're a doctor, you can just do what you want. I mean, yeah, you can sentence an old man to death in this case. You know, while you were talking about this, I I was thinking um, before we kind of talked about how, you know, maybe it wasn't in the budget or something and they didn't want to pay for it, whatever. Now I kind of am wondering if it's a similar situation to like the DMV where they're just lazy and they don't want to do the work. That could be it. Surgery is a lot of work. This guy's old. Who cares? Yeah. And He's gonna probably, probably going to, you know, there's a chance it won't work. So it's probably a lot more difficult to perform surgery on an older person yeah. as well. More complications, things more likely to go wrong during the surgery. Got to sit in a hospital bed for a longer time, take up an extra bed afterwards for a lengthier period of time because it takes them longer to heal. So there could be a variety of factors going into why these decisions are being made. But before you think this is an unusual case or that, you know, that this doctor was just callous, there's more information. This kind of professional opinion, the opinion that old people don't deserve treatment, uh, is that uh, it costs, appears to be costing more than 14,000 lives each year. That's Again, a lot. We're just talking about in the U.K., which is a much smaller uh, place than the United States, right? So this is a fairly small location. 14,000 humans in that one place are dying because, well, as it's being described here, they're being subjected to routine discrimination by doctors who assume that older patients are too frail for surgery, chemotherapy, or radiotherapy. And I think they're reading into uh, that opinion. It's not that he's too frail for it. I said they just don't want to provide it. Yeah. And I think you've got a good reason why, and another good reason why is the budget. And look, these old people aren't paying the taxes anymore. So it's not like they're an asset to the system. They're a liability. So as soon as they stop paying taxes, as soon as they cross whatever that threshold is over in the UK, here it's you know 65 for a lot of people, they retire then. As soon as they cross that threshold, they become persona non grata. They're just not even worth looking at. Well, we don't even have to get this man out of here. Just go, go home and take some pills and die. That's all that they're saying. And that's according to Macmillan Cancer Support, who warned last week that every day up to 40 elderly cancer sufferers are dying needlessly in the UK because they're being denied the best treatments. And this is particularly true, they say, for patients over the age of 70. The charity estimates that if the treatment of older patients matched that on offer in the US, that as many as 14,000 lives could be saved every year. Uh, the chief executive at the Cancer Support Center points out that despite major advances in diagnosis and treatment, their survival chances for patients over the age of 75 have grown only by a fraction. He says that writing people off as too old for treatment is utterly shameful. We have a moral duty to treat people as individuals and give them the best chance of beating cancer regardless of their age. And that's a statement that you would expect to hear from someone in the medical profession, that they have a moral duty to treat people regardless of of their age. That's what you expect to hear when you think about what a doctor is supposed to do. Yeah. But no, nope, not when the government's in charge. Morality just goes right out the window. I wouldn't say that it goes right out the window as in it happens fast. I think that working in a government system over your lifetime just sort of makes you more lazy over time. It could be. I'm not like you don't start day one. Okay, so America goes to government health care, and tomorrow the doctors are like, oh, I don't have any morals anymore. See you later. Maybe, but uh, but from day one you've got a budget. From day one you have to you know you have to justify your spending, right? So from day but one, a you've private made business would have to justify their spending too. Sure, but they're charging their customers, right? Here it's a completely reverse situation. You're told how much money you have by the government administrators. And then you've got to justify what you've spent. 
And if you're spending a bunch of money on a bunch of old people when they're not paying into the system, it just doesn't make sense from their perspective. Sounds terrible, spending all that money on all those old people. Devane says that uh, discrimination against the elderly affects not only cancer treatment, but goes right across the board. According to another new report, the King's Fund, a respected health research charity in the UK, warned that prejudice about older people means they often go without treatment for conditions such as depression and aren't even treated for illnesses such as heart disease. This is despite huge advances in medical care, which mean that patients can now successfully undergo major surgery at ages where they would previously have not been expected to survive. In America, doctors pioneering the field of geriatric surgery regularly perform open-heart surgery, which is an insanely invasive procedure, yeah. incredibly dangerous. Uh, they perform peop- that on people in their 90s in this country. In Britain, the leading cardiac specialist at Papworth Hospital in Cambridge has now achieved a mortality rate of less than 1% for coronary artery bypass operations, despite the fact that the average age of its patients is in the late 60s. Those patients, however, are a fortunate minority. The King's Fund report based on patient surveys and evidence from staff is only the latest in a series of critical reports on elderly care. The Patients Association and Care Quality Commission have both recently published studies detailing what they consider to be shocking standards. According to an expert researcher, Nat Levisley, in older people's care, such attitudes should now, by now have been banished from the NHS because they are, in fact, illegal. He explains that the Equality Act outlawed age discrimination, such as age, age limits for treatment, in all official NHS policies. But once again, if the government doesn't follow their own rules, who's going to enforce it on them? Who will, who will handle that? You can't do it. You can't bring charges against them. So what do you do? Oh, it's illegal, they say. Well, we passed a law. It's going to make it so they don't discriminate against old people. But they're but, still doing it. Yeah. 855-453, the SACL CAI toll-free line, according to an investigator for the policy on aging. And while official rules have changed, they say the attitudes of individual doctors and nurses have not. 855-450-3733. Maybe you're in the UK or you visited there and you've got a perspective you'd like to share on all this. You bring up whatever's on your mind at Free Talk Live. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. This is Free Talk Live, toll-free number for you, 855-453. It's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there for free, so enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com here tonight. It's Ian. And Julia. Oh, and hey, if if you've ever been in court before, you know it can be really difficult if you don't know what you're doing. Learning a few things about the system and how it works can be useful. Sure, they can waive their rules anytime they want, and they tend to do what they want. But fact is, if you know what motions to file, you can make a difference. I just filed a motion for recusal today in, in one of my cases. And so having some experience helps. And therefore, going to someone who has experience to help uh, teach you these things can be useful. 
And thankfully, there's Jurisdictionary.com because lawyers are really expensive and, in my opinion, generally not worth it. Uh, but you can do it yourself if you go through Jurisdictionary.com. And they will offer you a matter, a number of free things on their website. They've got the free legal flowchart, free, free weekly tips and tactics newsletters, the free legal dictionary, free videos, and more. And then, of course, you can buy, you can buy the course. Jurisdictionary.com, you'll learn the rules on how to fight in court. It's, uh, it works for plaintiffs or defendants, civil or criminal matters, state or federal courts. And it costs less than an hour with any good attorney. It's a four-CD course. so easy. The average eighth grader can learn it in a weekend. So go to Jurisdictionary.com, use their pull-down menu when you check out, and let them know you heard about it from Free Talk Live at Jurisdictionary.com. Uh, so for those of you just tuning in, we've been talking about the National Health Service over in the UK and how it is that they are discriminating against elderly people. And why shouldn't they? It's not like elderly people pay into the system anymore. They're retired. They're not paying taxes. So, uh, you know, if they come down with your dad or mom comes down with cancer, eh. Maybe they just won't get the surgery that they need to stay alive. Maybe the National Health Service will do as they've done with plenty of people and decide to just yeah, leave them leave them by the side of the road. Yeah, forget about you. Oh, if you can if you can afford it, if you happen to save some money while we were telling you we're going to take care of you uh, for the rest of your life, if you happen to save your own money, well, you can go find a private private doctor and then you know maybe they can handle it for you. But otherwise, good luck. Because that's what they're doing, and there's no shortage of information. This article goes on, and it gives several more examples of uh, what you know was happening to people here. In a study of 23,000 sufferers by the National Cancer Intelligence Network, found widespread evidence of age-based discrimination in the National Health Service on women with breast cancer. Found that 23,000 sufferers found that 90% of those aged 30 to 50 are offered surgery to remove tumors, compared to 82% of those between 60 and 70, and 70% of those in their 70s. So the older you get, the less likely they are to do a damn thing for you. But Marjorie Holmes, who's 70, is living proof of the benefits that such uh, such surgery can bring. Five years ago, a retired lecturer from uh, Middlesex underwent a routine mammogram just before her 61st birthday. She received a letter calling her back for further examination. Said her general practitioner also wrote to her separately, inviting her to come in and have a chat, which she says was very kind. The consultant revealed that there were two suspicious areas on her breast and they were investigated, found to be cancerous and removed. She says, I was scared, but I wanted the operation to be over with. Within a few weeks, she was taken in to the hospital for a lumpectomy. She said her age was never an issue at any point. So she got lucky. But it could have been just as, uh, you know, it could have been just as bad of a situation for her as it was for the 78-year-old man who was basically told, you get to die from urine, uh, urine cancer, terminal urine cancer, they said. But then when checked by a pri- another private doctor, uh, they treated him and it was cured. Just It's just pathetic. And now people in this country think that this is going to be better. They think that the U.S. government running health care here is going to be better. I mean, it's going to be even more bureaucratic. Well, it's going to be even larger. People don't understand. The people who want that don't understand what kind of a health care system we have right now. What they think is that the health care system as it is today is is a free free market. market, which it is not. The government is very much involved in health care in this country, and they think that, you know, that's what's wrong with our health care. So obviously the answer is, you know, the free the free health care, which I'd like to point out that it isn't anything but free. No doubt. Nothing is free. 
It costs a lot of money, and I think that if you did the numbers, it would cost a lot more money, and that's, of course, not comparing it to what it is now, mm-hmm. because what it is now is not a free market healthcare system. Well, Julia, how can you be such a utopian? I mean, look at this. Uh, look at the money that they're spending today. You're claiming that it's going to be cheaper in a free market. How can you say that? You know, Mark, I wish Mark was here because he's got some great statistics and I don't know where he got them from. So maybe when he's on the show again, I don't know, he could bring them out. But he had some sort of uh, chart that was saying comparing prices between, I think it was the 50s or 60s and now. Mm-hmm. And it was from com- healthcare, and it was in, in adjusted for inflation. This was and delivery of a baby, right? It was yep, delivery of. A, there was a couple things I think, but it was one of the most remarkable ones was that the delivery of a baby in a nice hospital used to cost. I I want to say it was like six hundred to a thousand dollars, whereas now giving a baby costs tens of thousands. I thought it was less dollars. than six hundred. I thought it that might was have like been. It was a very bucks. low number, and this was adjusted for inflation. Mm. And today, what does it cost? Ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars to have a baby in the Something hospital? Something like that. It's a lot of money. It's insane. And it was a and great babies. Example. They just come out. <laughs> well, do they just come out? Have you ever had one? No, I haven't. <laughs> I don't know. I've never had one either, but I've seen video of people having them. And it doesn't look like they just come out. Whoop! No, no I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean like I know it might that hurt a uh, lot. Yeah, it definitely hurts. Yeah, because it doesn't just come out. <laughs> just slides out. One eight five five four fifty free. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. But that's a great example of how. Well, if it was so cheap back in the day, why isn't it so cheap now? What what has happened? What has what is it? What has resulted in such a drastic cost increase? Well, I think it's a few things, but I think the number one issue is that the government has become more and more involved in the healthcare system. I know that uh, insurance uh, is kind of a scam in, in the way it's run, right? Like, uh, I know that um, they are required to admit people to the hospital regardless and we pick up the cost for that there's so many factors yeah i mean it's not it's not something that you you can really talk about in 10 minutes it's it's a huge issue yeah you can't point to one thing you i i think it's important to point out that what we have now is not a free market healthcare system insurance uh takes away the pricing mechanism from out of the hands of customers and uh and the and providers. they have to pay a fortune for for the people to process all the information right to have people that handle and not just for the insurance but also for medicare and medicaid and there's a lot yeah. of paperwork involved in that and a significant portion of a doctor's uh, staff is spent on doing paperwork so that increased costs you've also got the fda with all of its regulatory structure and the billions of dollars they charge uh, you know, pill manufacturers to get a pill on the, the marketplace, all those costs have to be paid for by the customers down the line. Uh, you know, those are two major factors. And, of course, the more disconnected people are from the pricing mechanism, the less likely they are to know what prices are and, and to offer a different price or compete on the basis of pricing. Yeah, go into There's a so hospital and ask the doctor how much a certain procedure costs. He yeah, won't have an answer. If the desk's staff won't know either 855-450-FREE that's the SACL CAI toll free line it's not a free market in healthcare in any way shape or form Uh, there's more coming up your thoughts are welcome 855-450-FREE Free Talk Live here on Free Talk Live we've been pretty excited about the Bitcoin it's a decentralized free market digital currency you can learn more about it at weusecoins.com but if you already have some Bitcoins and you'd like to spend them 
you can spend them at spendbitcoins.com. When you spend bitcoins on Amazon via spendbitcoins.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. Or if you're an Australian trying to figure out how to buy bitcoins, you can buy them with cash at au.spendbitcoins.com. Once again, that's spendbitcoins.com. This is Free Talk Live, toll-free number here, 855-453-SACL-CAI, toll-free line. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. We'll give you the features on the site there, and you can enjoy them on us. Again, freetalklive.com. One of the things you can do over freetalklive.com is uh, contribute to the Free Talk Live Bitcoin tip jar. You can throw some Bitcoins in there, and of course, with Bitcoins... You can put .0001 Bitcoin in there if you want. Because Bitcoins can be divisible down really, really far. It's not like uh, the U.S. currency where you can go only as low as a penny. Uh, Did you hear that Canada's not producing its penny anymore? Yeah, I heard about that. I just thought that was cool. It seems like the right choice to make. Yeah, it costs more money to make the penny than the penny is worth. It's and, economic insanity. Yeah, yeah. And they continue to make pennies here in this country. Uh, maybe they'll finally figure that one out someday and take and a stop. hint from Canada. Although I wonder what will how will the bank the banks benefit from that? Like if you because there's still going to be pennies in accounting, right? So you'd have to start rounding up. I would think. Somehow, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm going to look that up. Actually, somebody's going to make some go. money. On there's that. some. I know that there's some sort of a plan of action. Like after a certain amount of time, you know, right now they're just going to start producing, and then mm-hmm. and then there's like a timetable for what they're going to do next. Well, these government currencies are just, you know, they're bound to fail. The more you print out money, the less valuable it becomes. And so the reason why we're this is happening is these pennies are just basically the, the money system has been inflated so much that there's no way they can get the cost down below a penny to manufacture a penny. This is this is a huge, like, uh, red alert. Hello? Something's really wrong. You, you used printed- to be able to buy candy with a penny. Right. What can you buy with a penny now? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, and, you know, several pennies doesn't really buy you anything. I mean, phone calls at a payphone, if you can even find a payphone these days, are 50 cents. It's very rare you'll even find a payphone that's 25 cents. And once upon a time, it used to be a dime. Yep. So, um, anyway, back to the Bitcoin. Uh, so you can learn more about Bitcoins because they're amazing and they're the future. Or at least so it seems. Right now they're pretty hot and they've only been around for a few years. It's basically a digital version of cash, but without the whole Federal Reserve note factor. It's not a a government-issued currency. It's not even a corporate-issued currency. It's completely decentralized, entirely peer-to-peer network. So there's no central organization. It's open source. The whole thing can be completely vetted from the outside. And it's amazing. Go to weusecoins.org to learn more about it. It can be used in an anonymous fashion if you'd like to uh, to do that. You can send and receive money anywhere in the world without needing the permission of any bank, government, or anyone. To learn how, visit weusecoins.org. It's a great video that you can watch there to learn more about it. really puts it into perspective for you. Weusecoins.org. And thanks to bitinstant.com, you can have bitcoins in less than an hour by depositing cash at any major bank. Buy your Bitcoins with cash over at bitinstant.com. 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number here. Now, uh, according to, let's see, this is from the Palm Beach Post. This is a story right over at the top of freetalklive.com. 
He may be South Florida's most infamous speeding cop, but he's also a loving family man and a respected police officer who made a mistake when a state trooper caught him driving more than 100 miles an hour to an off-duty job, according to lawyers. Can you mistakenly drive 100 miles an hour? Exactly. How can you possibly just screw that one up? I feel that you could maybe mistakenly drive like 70 in a 50. Uh, yeah, I've caught myself doing like 70 80, or 80 yeah. 55 or something. Yeah. But 100? <laughs> fast. Now, that's what his lawyer said. It was just a mistake. But a Broward prosecutor setting a Sun Sentinel investigation said... Miami officer Fausto Lopez not only endangered the public by speeding on Florida's turnpike that October 11th morning, but also other times before and after, many other times. While traveling from one end of Broward County to the other on the turnpike, coming and going to work, coming and going to his off-duty jobs down in Miami, Officer Lopez traveled in excess of 100 miles per hour more than 100 times. Now, how would they find that out? How, how would you determine how many times someone had traveled that fast? I don't know. I don't know. It's not, not they do clear. that creepy airplane thing. In Florida? Yeah. Oh, definitely in Florida. Yeah. It's so funny because I forgot it existed, but I was driving in some state and I saw mm-hmm. the signs and I remember they used to do this in Florida There's yep. where they monitor you and your speed from an airplane. Yeah. They've got like lines they draw on the pavement yep. and they time you between one another. Yep. Lopez, age 36, appeared in court for the first time since being charged with misdemeanor reckless driving in the October incident. Dressed in a suit and accompanied by his wife, Jessie, he pleaded no contest, politely answering the judge's questions, but making no statements during or after the 20-minute hearing. Now, Broward County Judge Melinda Brown accepted a request from his lawyers to keep the case off of his record. Hey, that's pretty cool, huh? You get to, if you're in the gang... You get to drive more than 100 miles an hour in more than 100 instances. Wow. I and feel like they would take your license away if you No, were in this from... case, he doesn't even, it doesn't even go on his record. Nice. The judge accepted a request to keep the case off his record. Sweet. That's pretty awesome. That doesn't send a message that it's entirely acceptable to be a cop in speed or anything like that, does it? No, in fact, the judge says here, she says she hoped it would be a lesson. To all law enforcement officers to obey the speed limit. The judge said, quote, I do take into consideration this is your first offense and that this was a lack of judgment. I'm hopeful that Officer Lopez has learned something from this ordeal and that all officers who have read about you and read about the circumstance have curtailed this conduct. Oh, sure, Judge Brown. I'm sure they're out there just shaking in their shoes at your just ironclad verdict. Your iron-fisted punishment. high-fived him. Yeah. This is crazy. It doesn't go on his record? 100 miles an hour? What would happen to you or I if you were doing 100 miles an hour anywhere? You would get a $300 ticket? Yes. And likely the cops would treat you like a, like a, a child killer or something like that. Like <laughs> you, you would be treated like scum of the earth for going that fast. You would be told that you would be endangering children. Or there'd be all these reasons why what you were doing was so terrible. Like children could run right out in front of your car. And they would give you all kinds of excuses to why it was entirely justifiable for them to charge you hundreds of dollars and now pay up pretty please. Oh, we'll get you on a payment plan if you can't afford it all at once. But if you're a cop, then they'll just waive it. Scholson, now this is uh, the attorney for the state, 
had asked the judge to find Lopez guilty, citing the Sun-Sentinel investigation published in February that found that he was a habitual speeder. So the attorney, the the state's uh, prosecutor here, is he's pushing for it. I mean, he's trying, apparently, to get something to happen. He's a habitual speeder, he says to this judge, but the judge says, oh, it's your first offense. <laughs> No, okay, so here's how they figured it out. They used the Sun Pass. And uh, like in a oh. lot of right. So like in a lot of places, uh they've got this auto pass, easy pass, sun pass, or whatever they're called, where you go through the toll booths and you don't have to stop. So I guess he's just blasting through the toll booths or something like that. How else could, could they use the sun pass from an airplane? Is there another way to, to uh hey, to use a sun pass? I don't know. Using police sun pass, investigation revealed almost 800 officers from a dozen agencies drove faster than 90 miles an hour in a 13-month period, often while off-duty. Nice. Um, no one's really surprised by this, right? No. I mean, anybody who's ever seen the police on the road know they can, they can speed and get away with it. But even while off-duty, they are speeding. More than 800 of them. Now, of course, that's all, I guess... South Florida, I believe. So that may not even be all of Florida. Lopez was the most frequent speeder of all of those officers. This was the guy who was the worst. Routinely driving above 100 miles an hour from his commute uh, to Miami and slowed to near legal speeds only after video of his traffic stop made national headlines. Officer Lopez was the worst of the worst, according to the prosecutor. Alberto, uh, Alberto Milan, a Coral Gables, Gables lawyer for Lopez, said it was unfair to consider the newspaper's findings in sentencing, since the officer, excuse me, sentencing the officer since he was charged with only the one incident in October. So don't pay any attention to all of this evidence that this is the most offensive speeding cop in all of the state of Florida. No, no, it's just just his first offense. Go easy on it. 855-450-FREE. You can take control of the airwaves. Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Moments remain, but enough time for you and your thoughts if you make the call now. 855-450-FREE is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. Here tonight, it's Ian. And Julia. Once again, you can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, go to promote.freetalklive.com and you'll find a whole list of things that you can do there to help get Free Talk Live into more ears around the world. Everything from a bumper sticker for the back of your ride to uh, different things like uh, flyers you can print out and web banners for your website. Go to promote.freetalklive.com. Now, you were talking about the penny uh, a little while back in the last segment about how Canada has decided, and I think wisely, to no longer manufacture the penny. This is one of the things that just has to happen as governments around the world inflate their currencies is the smallest denominations of the currency become less and less valuable. So at some point, the those denominations become more expensive to manufacture 
than the face value itself. Right. Doesn't it cost five cents to make a penny? Is it that high now? I'd heard it was two something, but no. uh, either way, it's more than a cent yeah. to make a penny, and that's crazy. It's just not economically sound. Of no. course, it's government, so they can get away with doing things that don't make economic sense for quite a long time. But eventually, you know, they come to the realization that maybe they should stop. And well, that's what's going on here. We'll get to that story in a moment. Uh, we are going to uh, take your calls as well uh, about whatever's on your mind at 855-450-FREE. Amos is on the line listening in West Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Amos. Yeah. Yeah. How y'all doing? Hey, Amos. Hey, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that uh, one thing that's not said too much, you, you mentioned this uh, this cop was going to his part-time job. And uh, around here, and I'm sure in a lot of other places, you see police using their police cars. For instance, uh, construction companies employ them on the highway to slow traffic down. And, they'll, and a lot of times, especially in the summertime, You'll see them parked out on the highway with their lights flashing to get traffic to slow down around these construction sites. Yep, sure. But I notice the cop a lot of times is sitting in the car with the air conditioner running. Yeah, it's not his and, gas. Uh, he's getting paid by this construction company to do that work, but the the gasoline, though, I wonder if he's, he's reimbursing the city or the governmental agency uh for the gasoline that he's using. No, uh, no way. No, he's yeah, not being paid by the construction company in most of those cases. I mean, right, I don't know no, how things go in West Virginia, but that's usually a cop that's on the payroll and he's on duty at that time. Right, and the, and then you mentioned this other guy's like he's commuting from home. Well, they're essentially getting, I guess, in, in, the, in essence, they're on duty 24 hours a day, but they're essentially getting free commuting as well, you know, when they're speeding. And, I don't so know forth. about – now, that's a good question for the for the cops is when you're doing construction duty, that is that like bonus time or is that just a regular assignment? Well, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's just like they're doing a – like around here they employ cops like at ball games and uh, people even in grocery stores, places like that, they employ off-duty police. Sure. But a lot of times you see the police, they're in their uniform and they'll have their car. They even – even some of the funeral homes around here will have a cop uh, leading the funeral procession. Hmm. You know, when somebody's being buried, and and somebody's fitting the bill for that. You know, in a lot of cases, and uh, you know, I don't. You know, around around here in some of these small towns, I think maybe the the police even use their cars. You know, like for dating. You know, like Andy Griffith <laughs> and, uh, and uh, Barney Fife. You know, you know, uh, they, they go I, I, out. In the evening with their babes, you know. As I understand it, in some places, like if you are going to have a public event, there are certain yeah. regulations that require that you have a certain number of yes. off-duty cops hired as security for that event. So it's basically, it's you know, it's it's uh, it's a scam. They're forcing their own security pro- uh, provisions on you, and so they require that you hire the police while they're off-duty to provide security, and so therefore you're paying whatever arbitrary price. That the government people have set for that, so in theory, then the government people would be covering the cost of their, uh, you know, the client would be covering the cost of the gasoline through whatever exorbitant prices per hour they're paying for the police off-duty cops protecting them. Yeah, I don't know who's doing the billing. If they're if they're paying, if the cop is doing the billing himself, or if the city is doing the billing. I would imagine the city is is handling that. I don't think you'd put the average street cop in in charge of the books. Uh, but. Uh... 
Another thing that happened around here, you might have heard the little, the little town east of Charleston, Glasgow, West Virginia, they recently called a city cop was uh, uh, you know, dealing and dealing drugs. Uh-oh. And, uh, but he, he even was involved, he was caught doing it even uh, with his car in, in uniform. Nice. On, well, what better way to do it? Time. How did they bust him? Well, they just they just did some undercover. One of the other agent, uh, the county sheriff, did some undercover work and caught him. But that's not anything. I mean, it's been, it's happened before around here for years. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, he must have crossed somebody. Where yeah. I come from, the sheriff himself is a drug dealer. Oh, yeah. That's they've done this in some of these counties around here. They can buy they can buy all these rural counties. They can buy off the sheriff. Yeah, you know, pretty. Uh, what I mean, the, the sheriff where I come from was actually uh, known, like popularly, as uh, as the local, like high level drug dealer. <laughs> right. right. So we're we're better to be as a drug dealer than in a position of so called authority, where it's very difficult to um, have anybody investigate you, and you essentially have total control over a territory. You you allow people to operate in your territory at uh, your discretion. And if they don't uh, do what you want them to, then you can put them in a you can put your co- competition in a cage. Amos, thanks for the call. Anything else okay. you want to share? Uh, well, the other thing is, they, in an adjoining county, they even caught one sheriff. He was removing the drugs from the police evidence uh, room. You know, it's a locked area, and was you know was making them available for other use. Thanks for the call tonight, Amos. Okay. Appreciate hearing from you. Eight five five four fifty free. The SACL CAI toll free line. Canada getting rid of the penny. Tell me more. Sure. Well, this particular article, I think you'll find the wording in it very funny. All right. Where's because it, from? it seems to be sad. It's from Omaha.com. I just Googled Canada right. Penny. But <clears throat> the first sentence is the news recently from the north of the from the from north of the border was both trivial and unsettling. What? <laughs> like that's okay. a strange way to describe this news, but yes. uh they won't be making shiny new pennies in Canada anymore. The government of Ottawa, Ontario, made this decision after years of deliberation for reasons that would seem to apply equally in the U.S. Pennies take up too much space in our dressers at home, said the Canadian finance minister. A government brochure said this, we often store them in our jars, throw them away in the water fountains, or refuse to take them as change. Pennies cost more to produce than they are worth, yet because of inflation they are worth so little that many Canadians don't even bother to use them. It's not very different at all from New York City in January when Starbucks raised the price of a 12-ounce cup of coffee to 201 with taxes. Many coffee drinkers, coffee drinkers were appalled, not so much by the cost as much as the indecency of needing to or to, to fish for pennies mm, or get 99 cents in change. Yeah. Uh, do we really need pennies? The Canadian government doesn't think so. By this fall, it plans to stop minting them and stop distributing them through banks. Hmm. It won't ban them. Some people have grown so attached to pennies, a penny saved is a penny earned after all, that they may want to keep using them. And they can, the Canadian government said. Well, that makes sense. I mean, what are you going to do, outlaw people yeah. from using pennies? That, yeah. But those who can bear to part with their pennies are being encouraged to bring them to banks for eventual melting or to donate them to charities. Uh, electronic transactions will continue to include cents. Retail sales will be rounded. It mm-hmm. doesn't say up or down. Maybe depending on how many. Uh, I would imagine it'd be rounded up, but I don't know. Somebody's going to make some money on that. Oh, it know? says no. It says it's going to be. It says here, uh, two o one cup of coffee should be rounded down to two dollars, while mm-hmm. two o three should be 
become 205. I see. But retailers in the real world might raise prices more to lower them. I don't know what that sentence doesn't make any sense, but I'm rereading it. And that's what it says. They might raise prices more, more to, to lower, lower them. them. That doesn't make any sense. Retailers in the real world. Yeah, that's what it yeah, says. Yeah, I don't get it. That could cause a small one-time inflation burst, says Francois Veld, an expert on history of small change. <laughs> Where do they find these people? <laughs> but in a competitive market, you might as well see price decreases, says Veld, a senior economist at the Federal Reserve Bank of Economy. That's the same guy. Yeah. So that's where they found him, the Federal Reserve Bank. Okay. Apparently, there's a small change expert at Apparently. the... That's funny. <laughs> who was working this year with the bank, at the Bank of France. In a place like New York, a 99-cent price of pizza might go down to 95 cents rather than a dollar to avoid crossing that high price threshold. Uh-huh. So there you have it. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Yeah. And I... You know, it's interesting also, they said they spent years debating I, That's what this. I... Yeah, yeah. Years. <laughs> so maybe we'll see it sometime in the next 20 years. Here. Yeah. 855-453, SACL CAI toll-free line. Oh, wait, we're done for tonight. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right. It's another edition of the Edgington Post. And I have with me once again, Joshua Daniels from uh, the Sea Lions Foundation, ericksoncouncil.com. And uh, Joshua, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Good evening. Hey, yeah, I mean, you know, we had you had called in, and I had uh, some, you know, some you'd said a couple of things and things that I wanted to go over as far as uh, as the Erickson Council, just so uh-huh. people are hip on it. And you guys are uh, redoing your website, is that right? Uh, we will be redoing it. We're having we're gathering a list of the things we want to do and working out designs. And well, yeah, we're redoing it. Yeah, short answer. Yeah. Cool. And I, you know, I, I think that a, a good website always, um, you know, sets people's minds at ease a little bit. But, you know, I mean, you had this idea, uh, the idea that, and, and you had it for, you know, over a period of time. You've been working on it and percolating it, and you're getting ready to to implement it. And that's the idea of creating these self-sustaining life yachts that you have, uh, they're, they're, or the, that you've thought of. They're they're concrete boats, which I guess is not that unusual of an idea. No, they've been around for 150 years, and the first ones built are still floating. Yeah, I mean, you know, why why wouldn't they be? <laughs> they don't. Uh, they're not going to no. rust. You don't have to maintain them like a wood boat. So that's uh, that's a pretty that's good right. idea. And they're shaped. No, in... they, uh, Go ahead. Uh, just they they don't wear out either. The uh, the only time you see them gotten rid of is when uh, some of the steel fittings that were put into the concrete that stick out, like where the sail stays would attach. Mm-hmm. When those go bad after you know eighty hundred years, however long it takes, uh, then sometimes you'll see one gotten rid of. And then some of the uh, hippies in the seventies who heard about rock boats and they built their own and they floated for a while. Uh, those are gone because they didn't build them right. The the uh, concrete actually has to flex. There's there's a right way and a wrong way to do it, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know. So, uh, but properly built, uh, they stay up forever. Wow! I mean, they they don't have a, a known lifespan. Gotcha. 
So, um, and, you know, that's a that in and of itself is a revolutionary idea. But most people think of boats as holes um, in the water that you throw money um, that you don't need. And the idea with these, the life yachts, is the, to create a home on the water as opposed to, uh, you know, the, a, a pleasure cruiser. Yes. Yeah, they're, we don't call them boats. We call them floating homes that will go anywhere in the world. There's three feet of water, including through a hurricane. And they make all their own electricity, and the bigger ones grow their own food, and they carry a car on board, and they'll back up to the beach and unload the car for you, and they do all that without a drop of fuel. Now, yeah, and this like there's a lot of there's a lot in that elevator speech. No uh, hurricanes. <laughs> That's right, hurricanes. They are turtle shaped. Uh, they're catamarans, meaning they have two hulls, but situated between them is the the main living area, mm-hmm. and draped over all this is a turtle shaped outer hull such that when the wind is ripping along at 150 miles an hour, instead of tipping it over, it has to climb up the near side. So it's actually pushing that near side down into the water and forcing the whole thing to sit flatter and lean against the wind rather than fall away from it. Interesting. What about the sails? Uh, The sails are, they're called the airfoil sails, which is just... Uh, they're shaped like an airplane wing. Imagine taking an airplane wing and standing it up on deck, and then all you have to do is turn it so that whichever way the wind is blowing from, you have the proper angle of attack to drive you forward, or in the case of our ships, backwards. They'll, they'll sail backwards just as easily. Wow. And um, you also said grow their own food? Yes. Uh, on the uh, largest two, there's room actually, and on the largest one, there's farm and garden that, that's allocated. It's, it's a big glassed-in rooms where they'll get all the sunshine and all the heat you can imagine. You'll, they'll have to be, you'll have to open windows to let the heat out. Um, but there's enough there to feed 10 people. And if you farm the cargo holds instead of putting cargo in them, those have glass windows too. And so you'll be able to increase your output significantly. You can't use the whole cargo hold unless you use electric lights. But, you know, that uh, ship makes lots of electricity, so you could do that if you wanted. Now, that's the giant ship, which uh, the average that's, person will probably not be getting their hands on, right? Yeah, that's that's the big monster, the manta ray. Yeah, the middle-sized one, the stingray. It's got room on it that you could grow. If you are a hydroponics expert, you could feed a family of four. Uh, but if you're just a hydroponics uh, grower, someone who you know knows how to do it, uh, you can probably feed one, maybe one and a half people, And that means every meal, you know, including your morning coffee, we are talking all the food you need. Uh, But there's a a skill to hydroponics. There's differences in the yields because of what people know. Yeah, But, I mean, you you could make yourself a reasonable garden that will keep you in fresh fruits and fresh vegetables, um, all the fresh fruits and fresh vegetables that you'd want. You can pick up meats uh, from, you know, the, the grocery store and, and put them in the yes. the boat, which has a walk-in freezer and a stand-up refrigerator. Is that right? No, uh, walk-in freezer, walk-in, walk-in fridge on all but the littlest one, which has a very large reach-in fridge. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, that's actually built into the nose cone where the kitchen is on, on in one of the hulls. Uh, so it's 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 not a unit you buy from Sears and stick in there. It's it's built into the ship. Space yeah. is at a premium on one of these things. There's no doubt you have to uh, you know use the space you've got. Yep, we we built them big. There's lots of room, but we do use it. Yeah, we're we're trying to give you as much as we can so that when wifey wants to rearrange the furniture, she's got something to work with. Right, and the. Uh, we're, we're, the 
Another thing you need to consider, what's the square footage on the little one? Let's see, there's the little one, the medium-sized one, and the big one. The big one probably isn't going to be available to most people because that's really meant for people doing missions and things like that. So the the big one is the big house, the little one's the little house, the apartment-sized, right? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, 800 square feet, and the middle-sized one's about 1325, Mm -hmm. 1350, somewhere in there. That's about, the middle one's about the size of a double-wide motorhome. Yeah. In terms of living area, yeah. And what uh, we're hearing from a, a lot of uh, people who talk about, you know, how married couples would approach this, uh, we laid out the frames on these things so that without too much difficulty, two of them could be connected one after the other, which many people call that in tandem, but I recently found out that is actually quite wrong. Tandem means side by side. Yeah, side by side. Uh, yeah, so, uh, and then because they'll... Uh, rock on the waves at different times, you take, we would have all the generating capacity we would ever want by mounting our generator right where the two frames meet at a very, well, actually, there'd be two very large ball joints so that the ships can, uh, can flex in the water as, you know, the waves are passing under first one and then the other. The one has to bob and then the other has to bob, so it's like an inchworm. And every time the inchworm folds, it's forcing that generator to turn with uh, 90 tons of force. Right. I mean, I was just thinking about that. I mean, that would be a pretty good-sized generator that's uh, handling, I mean, you know, that, that's a lot of power that those two boats would be moving in the water at different different uh, rates, different speeds. It is exactly one shipload of power. Yeah, right. To... That's exactly what it would be. <laughs> now, where, where and, does one uh, construct this machine that's going to generate this power? Uh, the Well, you can put the machine down in your hold, uh-huh. uh, all you, all you need up where the ball joints are is you need some kind of an actuator that's going to capture that pressure, such I as see. a hydraulic cylinder, so that when you know when the, the ships flex, when the, the train of ships flexes, then the hydraulic cylinder forces hydraulic fluid through a motor, which is somewhere down in the bowels of your ship, and charges your batteries. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. so that's power, and that makes some sense. What about ones that aren't uh, hooked up in tandem? Or whatever well, term, term, terminology well, we're going to call in parallel. They're have a, a dis, they'll, they'll have a distinct disadvantage power-wise because the arrangement I just laid out is, is going to be just huge. And it also means that the married couple can live in one ship and farm in the other. It does so sound like a good setup. To, yeah, they don't have to dedicate any of their own space to farming. And, of course, when you have kids, you know, you really need that. Um, but what they have is... A couple of different things, actually. Uh, one, they have deployable floats on levers, which, as the waves make the float go up and down, that forces a generator to turn. All right? They have uh, a wave capture system so that whenever the waves are sloshing over the ship, over the, well, not, not over the ship, but sloshing up against the sides at more than about two and a half feet, the top six inches or so of that water which is, you know, let's say a wave washes up against, uh, the, it's a 45-foot ship, so it washes up against 20 feet of it, uh, and we capture the top six inches of it, uh, that's uh, 150 pounds of water. So that, it, it just, it, it's caught by a little, like a rain gutter. And then to get back into the ocean, it has to run down and through a little low-pressure turbine and make electricity on the way out. Through these little pinwheels, right. essentially, that are going to yep. catch catch the water and make some electricity. Right, 
Right, and it's not much electricity, and we will be using buck boosters and, and diodes and things like that to get it up to where you can put it in a battery and do it usefully, but we know how to do all that. It sounds we like the best capture. setup is the, the having the two boats. I mean, that sounds like, uh, what's that's going to... Absolutely, absolutely. That is, that, is, that is such a huge setup. Yes, that is the best. And if, if for no other reason, even if you're not going to grow your own garden, you need it for the power. Um, okay, it so... Just, just for loud parties, if nothing else. Yeah, <laughs> that takes electricity. <laughs> That's funny. Um, all right, so we got power, uh, food. Uh, we were talking about, you said they could get their own car uh, in there. Uh, you know, Tell people about the car situation. Oh, yes. Um, on all of these, there's at least one garage, which is at the back of the boat, and it's got these gigantic clamshell doors, uh, kind of like the... Um, the shuttlecraft bay on the Enterprise on the original Star Trek, well, actually on all the Star Treks, uh, you know, it's got the, the doors that open up and then the, the shuttlecraft goes away. Well, you've got the same kind of thing, only your car or small truck is in there, and you can back up to a beach, and then you should actually open the doors before you do back those last few feet, because, you know, they might get stuck on the sand and you won't be able to open them. Then mm. put, put down a ramp. Yeah, there's kind of an art to... Um, Loading and unloading a vehicle because you need to you need to fill your trim tank uh, at the back so that you're that's stern a, heavy before you go that's, in. That's the air. Uh, t- that's the air ballast tank to uh, to keep the boat. Right, right. You want the back to be heavy so that you're sinking. You're sitting deeper in the water than you think you might. Uh, so that when you do run aground, you actually touch the beach. Uh, and then you put down the ramp and let your car off. You'll actually spring up a little bit and float free. Right, because the car goes off, the weight goes off, and so therefore there's a bunch of weight, what, 3,000 pounds or something that's out of the boat, and then, right, um, you know, right. the, the boat weighs and, less and off it goes. Right, and if the tide was, if the tide pushed you a little bit further up while you were doing the unloading, you need some water that you, some weight back there that you can unload to make yourself even lighter. Now, um, since the boat can go into, actually, the, the, the manta ray can go into three feet, the smaller boats, the, the, it's the stingray and the, uh, the, the skate, or the stingray and the corvette is what you're calling it. Um, the skate's yep. the old name. <laughs> the stingray and the skate, <laughs> they can go in even less water, 18 inches or thereabouts? Uh, I'm going from memory here, but I believe the draft on the manta ray is 15 inches. Uh, the draft on the Stingray was 16 and a half. That's the medium size, the 65-footer. Uh-huh. Uh, and the draft on the little one was, I think, 13, the, the uh, Corvette. Now, it would, now, obviously, you'd need the right shape beach to, to be able to get this uh, car on and off, and you need a path to, to get the car in and out and that kind of thing. But a, a boat ramp would work just as well, right? That's correct. A boat ramp, a beach, a riverbank, uh, just about anywhere where the car's wheels can get traction once you get it off the actual ramp. And you'd probably you know, want so. something that has uh, all-wheel drive or you know, four-wheel drive, all-wheel drive. I mean, it seems to me you'd want a Subaru with all four tires turning, frankly. It, it seems to me that not long after we're building the ships, we're going to be building our own electric cars so that you can charge them from your ship, uh, from the ship's electrical power, and not have to buy fuel. Hmm. But, yes, you, you want an all-wheel drive no matter what, um, uh, unless you're just doing city stuff. I mean, to, to unload in Paris, you know, there's lots of boat docks on the Seine River there that are uh, boat ramps on the Seine River where, you know, you won't really need all-wheel drive. Um, but yeah, the, the electric car 
if you're parked close enough to shore, you could actually run a charging cord to it so that when it's on the shore and your ship is 20, 30, 40 feet offshore, you could still be charging your car up for tomorrow's running around. So what about water? People need water to wash clothes, take showers, uh, drink. You know, everywhere there's water out there in the ocean, but not a drop to drink, right? Yep. Water's always been a special concern for us, um, especially now with Fukushima polluting the entire northern hemisphere. Um, but these ships have rain capture systems. Uh, one of the things you can count on at sea is it rains, and it's like it rains every stinking day. And the the manta ray, for example, in a one-inch rainstorm, you know, where the weatherman says we're going to get an inch of rain, that will put 1,500 gallons of fresh water in your tanks. Wow. And, yeah, uh, on, of course, on the Stingray and the Corvette, it's rather less, but they both have those as well. It's just it's a guttering system all around the ship at various places so that the rainwater does not run off. It gets captured and funneled into the tanks. And then, of course, we have onboard uh, biological sand filter systems so that uh, a biological sand filter, you can look these up. They're, they're pretty cool. They're easy to make, uh, and they will protect you from many, 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 many things. Mm-hmm. Uh, including most radioactive dust that might be wafting your way through the air or through the water. I'm not too worried about Fukushima, but I know a lot of people are. Well, it's already uh, boosted the infant death rate in Philadelphia by 50%. I, I couldn't tell you. I haven't taken a look. Uh, yeah, it's it's bad. It's really, really bad. And, uh, yeah. Uh, but worse than that, uh, the Chinese metal companies that they plate metal with various things, you know, they do the anodized aluminum to make shiny, you know, stuff. Um, the, that process yields wastes that are extremely toxic, and they're kind of expensive to to process and treat. Not terribly so, but the Chinese just don't want to do it. So what they've done is they've moved all of their metal plating facilities for certain companies onto the big um, cargo ships, and they manufacture the goods in China, and they deliver them to the cargo ship unfinished. And then on the way over here, they do the final electroplate, and then they put them in the package uh, to be delivered. And all the toxic waste from the electroplating process, they dump overboard. Mm, the Pacific Ocean. Yes, into the Pacific Ocean. That's right. So even if you've got something like a, a solar still which will have those as well on the outside. It's basically uh, uh, like a double-pane window, and salt water gets pumped into it by the you know the, the wave action that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And then the, the sun shines on it and evaporates it, and then the evaporated water you know goes down into a tank. Uh, but that has to be properly built so that the first thing that happens is there's the, a valve that's open so that the water is cooked up to about 220... Yeah, up to almost boiling, that's just 220, um, so that all the gunk that's in it that can evaporate, evaporates and goes out through that valve and just out into the atmosphere. Hmm. You don't want that in your drinking water. I see. Right, yeah. Yeah, you got to get rid of all the low-boiling stuff first, and then you distill out the water and leave the high-boiling stuff behind, which would be you know, primarily sea salt. It's, it's not going to evaporate. Yeah. You're not going to run out of salt, that's for sure. No, we're not, and we're and with a little kitchen chemistry, we're not going to run out of almost any other mineral, at, at least in dietary amounts either. Um, we've seen what's been done in farming and in regular dirt farming and hydroponic farming using seawater as the nutrient solution, as a fertilizer, and it's just amazing. We expect to exceed even that. Our, our goal 
is to have our nutrition so good that we don't need a vaccination program and so that the average person makes 100 years old with everything still functioning hale and hearty and they just reach their sell-by date and they lay down for a nap and don't wake up. I, I sounds nice. Hopefully, uh, when we're talking about uh, the next generation, they'll med- medical science will have uh, gotten us to the point where we're, you know, not people aren't dying the way at, at the ages they are now. But we don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of uh, a lot of people prepping for a lot of different things. And it's a good it's a good idea to be prepared. And I think well, nutrition I is the most that. important. I, I agree. And, and I would agree that the it's a possibility that medical science could get us to a longer lifespan if they weren't the chief cause of our short lifespan. <laughs> <Right>. lifespan. <laughs> you wonder you wonder exactly how uh, um, implicit they, t- they tend to be or complicit, I should say. So, um, you know, we're getting close to the end here. And I want to, you know, what I've you know, what what somebody in my position just sits around and thinks is this sounds wonderful. I can't wait to get one done so that we can all take a look at it. I can't either. Right. Now, so, uh, but, you know, a lot of people are probably going to sit around and wait until you get one done. Well, what they should do, if they, if they don't want to, you know, take the, quote, risk, unquote, of getting involved, which there really isn't any, what they should do is go to, to sound-wisdom.com and buy one of our solar power systems to support the work, because the profit from that goes into getting the first one built. Yeah, and um, the other thing that you know, at some point or another, uh, that I was trying that I was trying to get uh, you know get past you here is let's talk about what it takes to um, you know get involved. It takes a thousand dollars down, and what nine hundred of that goes into an escrow account. So it's only that nine hundred will only be used if you guys are actually building boats, right? That's correct. It's just like escrow on a house. Neither party can touch the money until the escrow company is satisfied that everything has been done. Okay, and so the other right. hundred bucks goes to you guys, essentially, right? The other hundred bucks comes to us. It, okay. it pays for things like people answering the phone, and uh, we're we're actually we're trying to find a model maker right now to, to hire to build a model of one of these things. The model would be good. Uh, a model would be good. A model would be very good, um, and so on. And what that thousand dollars gets you is voting membership on the Erickson Council. Now. Right. The Erickson Council are the people who will actually either come and build these with their hot little hands, or they'll send someone in their stead to come build these. Only members of the Erickson Council have the right to come do that, because they put up you know, their $1,000 times you know, as many members as we can gather. There is a, a minimum. We need at least $200,000. Uh, they put the money in. It's their money. They decide how it gets spent by ordinary, you know, Robert's Rules of Order, and then they actually go and do the work with the tools that the money bought at the location that the money bought and build the ships. And then when we sell some of those ships for uh, for cash, then they get profit sharing uh, based on how many hours they put in on that particular ship and what kind of work they were doing, because, you know, different work pays different amounts. Sure. Okay? Uh, and then um, uh, most of it goes to buy new tools and materials. Uh, for example, if, if we start with only 200000 with our bare minimum nut, there's going to be a lot of jobs being done by hand. And when we can get automated tooling to do that, we should. So if, if we put $30,000 materials into, say, uh, a Corvette, and... 
we sell it to a gun runner or a drug runner. Of course, we won't know that's what they are, but that's probably who our main Lots of people are going to want these. I mean, I want one, too. And, yeah, you know, yeah, for me, it would be difficult yeah. to go and, and start, uh, you know, building on one of them. That's, I may very well, depending on how the, the situation goes, though. It's, it seems important to me. Yeah. Uh, well, well. Say we we've got thirty thousand in materials. We sell it for three hundred. Now, we're not in it for the money. We're in it to get our own ship. So, you know, let's take say um, uh, about fifty thousand of that and spread that among the people who did the work. I mean, that's not a lot for the, you know, if you were to calculate it by the hour. But let's take the other two fifty and put that into you know some better power tools and maybe a power crane for lifting the heavy stuff so we don't have to line up 10 people with ropes, okay? Uh, you know, things like, like the that. old Egyptian way. <laughs> it, it, that's right. That's right. And we grow and, and we grow and improve, constantly growing and improving. Of course, the first thing you do when you arrive at the construction fleet is you increase the, the garden and the farm for the people who are going to come after you. Somebody else did it for you. You're going to do it for them. And then... Uh, you start building the several of the smallest ship for more housing for the more people that are going to show up. Right. Because we, we don't sell all these for cash, and we don't give all of them uh, to our members. And then once you've worked at the fleet for three times as many hours as it takes to build one of these ships. So Your if it boat. takes a thousand man hours. Yeah, if we're talking for both. Yeah. If, if it takes a thousand man hours to build one, you'll work 3,000 hours, which is a year and a half of 40-hour work, 40-hour uh, weeks. But if okay. if a couple wants, say, the small boat, they could do it in as few as eight months. So you're talking about $1,000 and eight months' work. Yeah, right. That's right. And at and that then, point, you'd have an 800-square-foot house, which is the size that I live in um, currently, yeah. and you'd be able to go – it'd be a seashore home anywhere in the world, plus you'd be able to have uh, you know a car there. And so, I mean, it's amazing. It's an amazing thing. Joshua, I'm going to have to uh, – I, I got to wrap up, but uh, people need to – you know they need to get involved because once you guys are moving along, you're not going to be taking new memberships. I mean, you know, obviously, right. it takes no vision to – and you know, you're not taking a risk if somebody's building the boats. It takes the vision and the risk before they've built the boats. That's right. And, and we're offering this to the public for a reason. Once the construction fleet is built and all of our obligations to Erickson Council members have been satisfied, we're going to use that to build boats for missionaries. We're not going to be taking people off the street and say, hey, how would you like to be free and wealthy? Right. You know, that's We'll get there. But they could but buy a boat at that point, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, they could buy one at that point, yeah. Now, um, yeah, yeah the, 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 that brought me to the, the last question that I wanted to ask on it is, so if they, um, you know, they get involved, they, they get involved now, how long, you know, how long till you guys get started and, um, you know, how long would the, you know, the, the average person might spend a year, year and a half if they want the big boat, um, they, you know, that kind of thing. The, the little boat's a year and a half worth of hours, so a couple could get it in half that time. What about the, the mid-sized boat? Uh, mid-sized boat is about, uh, I think that's about three and three years and about four months, if memory serves. Okay. Uh, and then the uh, the big monster is going to take between somewhere between five and a half and seven and a half years to work off. And uh, to work off, a right. couple could do it in half that time. So I mean, That's you know, correct. it's college or something like that, a trade school essentially, and you'll know how at that point to to fix your own boat and create your own boat. Well, but but bring your family. I mean, geez, we're gonna we sea lions live and die singing and dancing. It's gonna be fun there, you know. 
And and we're not going to, when, when you've worked your hours, we're not going to give you the ship you've been living on there all that time. That's that's like a rental. It's like a college dorm. Everybody's been there. You take your hours down to the sales office and you buy as if they were cash. Gotcha. Now, okay. when do you think you, get, you guys are going to get started? Because it's, uh, you know, I mean, you got to get people lined up. you got to get a place lined up. These things are not easy. Yep. These things are not easy, uh, but people are starting to get motivated as they're realizing that the economy is not recovering and that everybody who says it is is either misinformed or lying. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, um, and we had, uh, you know, while everybody was holding their breath on that one, uh, growth was just completely stalled. Uh, But uh, it's we're, you know, resuming contacts again in that regard. We think we're going to be building... We think we're going to be choosing a spot by about September. That's when we're going to have to get the council together and say, where do you guys want to do this? Because it's, it's their money. You know, they have, I'm the chairman. I only get to vote if there's a tie. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so, and then um, once we pick the spot, uh, there's a few more things to do and some prep work. Probably, uh, so probably first of next year, if we pick a spot in September, it's about three months, that figure. All right. Yeah, so... so we, Folks, I'm go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll be building by the we'll be building by the end of the year. Yeah, we could so be. Folks can go to ericksoncouncil.com, and it's uh, the spelling isn't the easiest in the world. It's E R I C S S O N Council. Um, that's C O U N C I L dot org, and uh, that's it's named after Leif Erikson. That's right, Great. because he was. All the things we are. Yeah, he's yeah, an adventurer on this other high seas, that kind of thing. All right, cool. Thanks for the, the interview, Joshua, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Have a great night.